Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek, a sixth generation shaman and best selling author of Spirit Hacking, bridges the gap between science and spirituality and brings us back to our roots. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders, to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. The time has come to end codependency and put the power back into people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. What is the shaman school? No. You're not going to be studying to pursue a career in shamanism or to bang a drum. The definition of shamanism is one who understands relationship. The shaman school offering reminds you how to have a better relationship with things and how to nurture these relationships, whether it be with yourself, the food you eat, the people you meet, your ancestry, community, the global community, animals, nature, and so forth. My goal is is to demystify spirituality, to add a bit of science and understanding of how things operate in the energetic planes. The Shaman School's no-nonsense teaching explores all faculties of experience, from the physical, the emotional range, the mental capacity for information, dialogue, lexicon, energy, perception, awareness, how to understand the energy of currency, and so much more. Fundamental education teaches the basics that we need in society. How to read, write, add, subtract, pay our bills, or how to become doctors, artists, mechanics, etc. But the shaman school is a school that we all should have been a part of. One that offers the additional tools needed to better understand who we are, why we think the way we do, what's going on behind the scenes, and what we are actually seeing and processing. Are you living well? Are you paying bills just to keep the roof over your head? Are you in a relationship but not fulfilled? Satisfaction cannot be lowered anymore by the inability to recognize possibility. Living well means fulfilling your ideas and your goals and your dreams and having the best time doing it. In the shaman school, I've extracted the best from all of the world philosophies, religions, spiritual teachings, and theories, offering a juice without pulp that will empower your life. The Shaman School invites you to a world where you're able to seize the tools of understanding, where you're able to have fun and have more because you deserve more. Go to shamandurek.com and click on the Shaman School for the first step toward ultimate happiness and an understanding of your truest self. Let's make things easier and not harder for our life. We deserve that. See you soon. Hello, Tribe, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And if anyone hasn't told you that you are a powerful, divine, magical, inspirational, intelligent being, and so much more, let me be the first. Because you are, and you can never, ever not know that. This isn't the time to, to pretend that you don't know who you are. This is the time for you to know who you are and realize that the purpose of life is not about finding a purpose. It's about seeing where you're needed. 
in the whole entire experience of this global transition and evolution. So when we begin to go into a space of recognizing, oh, wait a second, I'm not here because of just one thing. I'm here because of multiple things and that where I'm needed the most and where I will have fun and joy and happiness and love, wherever that is, that's my purpose. So when we put ourselves into situations that are not bringing an amplification of happiness and joy in our life, when we're not being able to share that laughter and that happiness with other people because we're so busy complaining about our job or complaining about the things that we're doing or the person that we're with or the friends that we have or the family that we keep um, having to be exposed to their nonsense, we're literally creating more turmoil and more dissonance and more discord in the world. And nobody needs that. Especially, I know I don't. And I'm very good at making sure that my resource of technology, meaning myself, is really well adapted to its environment and to the selective people I choose to give my time to, my energy to, and to receive information from. Because if I'm going to receive any information from anyone, it has to be qualified intelligence. That means intelligence that comes from the heart, supports the heart, supports love, supports joy, supports freedom and liberation, and supports pleasure, ecstasy, bliss, and every yummy, delicious, beautiful thing that it can support. It has to be in flux with it, and it has to be in resonance with it. And if it's not, I don't want any part of it. Because I don't want a part of anything that creates distortion or pain or suffering or hurt or any type of puncture or wounds within my energy field or within my consciousness or my emotions because someone is unable to take responsibility for themselves or to recognize that there's other frequencies available in the universe and it's not always has to be the one that is uncomfortable or discordant or lower frequency. And you get to choose that. You get to choose that every single day. And you get to choose that in the clothes you wear, the food you eat, the people you surround yourself with, the conversations you get involved in and the places that you go and the things that you're exposed to, the things that you're watching, the things you're listening to and the things you're talking about. All of it has to have a vibrational tone that is creating a supporting system of well-being for yourself. That means that if you go to lunch with a bunch of friends And all they're doing is complaining about how they can't find love and how life is miserable and the world is falling apart and every type of theory that they have found on the internet that they want to share with you that is not lifting and shifting you and raising frequencies of high vibrations and keeping you lit, it's time to quit. It's time to get off the table and let them know I have other engagements I have to go to. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, gentlemen, for, uh, you know, coming here and being here. I appreciate your time, but I now have to leave. And if they call you up and say, well, you seemed a little abrupt when you left, you say, well, yeah, I did because the conversation uh, was turning for the worse and I just not something I want to expose myself to anymore in my life because the world is already in enough chaos. I don't need to keep stepping into chaos, drinking chaos, eating chaos, you know, rubbing chaos all over my body like the new body butter so I can make everyone feel good that I'm suffering just as much as they are and therefore I'm qualified to be able to have a conversation or to even be heard or to even create some form of connection with someone. Because look, the reality is this. We live in a world right now 
where people want to see other people going through shit. It's true. People want to see you going through shit so that they feel justified that they're going through shit. And then they want to see another person going through shit and another person and another person and another person. And I'm not down with that. I'm not down with the fact that everybody has to be upset, angry, and feel crappy in order to have conversations or be invited to parties or be invited to dinners because you can all share your misery together. The misery squad is not the place that I choose to hang out. I'm not going to your misery dinner or your misery lunch, and I'm not coming over or getting on the phone or doing anything that has you going on and telling me about all the horrible reasons why life sucks. I don't think life sucks. And in fact, I don't create that reality for myself. You see, I choose to move into fifth dimensional consciousness, which means to, you know what I mean, take apart the third dimension and create a fourth dimensional bridge that has the intellect and knowledge of things changing, rearranging, upgrading, uplifting, and shifting, and moving into what we call a vibrational wave that allows higher forms of intellect, conversation, lexicon, energy, and experience to be had. So literally what I'm really saying is, is that that I am allowing myself to open up to new frequencies that have never been felt before on this planet by blending myself through the frequencies of joy, love, happiness, elation, and bliss in orgasmic consciousness. Oh yeah. And then finding passageways through those frequencies to new forms of frequencies that I've never experienced before because I am willing to go beyond the construct of the misery squad and all those who choose to participate. You see, right now, literally, I walk around and I look at people and I'm going, wow, The Walking Dead is real and it's not on television. No, it's really not. Like anyone who comes to me and starts telling me all the woe is me stories and why life is so horrible and can you believe this? And did you know this? And the president's doing this and the government's doing this and this thing's doing this and this thing is happening here and this thing is happening here and not one single comment out of their mouth is anything about, isn't it amazing we get to breathe today? Isn't it amazing that the sun is shining on us and warming us? Isn't it amazing that we have the ability to eat really yummy and healthy food? Isn't it great that I can put my arms around you right now and cuddle you and feel the warmth of your body next to me, Shaman Durek? Isn't it great that I can throw a blanket down and have a picnic with you right now? We can read books together, we can play video games, we can dance wildly and free and ecstatically. I mean, isn't it wonderful that we can share intimacy and conversations and intellect? And isn't it great we can just go and practice magic and learn how to deeper connect with the energetic fields and the invisible realms? Isn't it wonderful that I have children? Isn't it wonderful that I can run around right now or scream my head off or jump up and down or recite poetry or do Shakespeare on the grass? Isn't it great right now that I can grab some canvas or just any piece of paper and fill my wall with paper and just paint and draw all over it? Isn't it great that I can write poetry all over my walls or all over my chairs and I can do whatever I want that makes me feel inspirational and happy? And isn't it great that I have presence with you right now? You see, I don't really hear that so much. I hear about what everyone else is saying to them or everything else they've read on social media or any type of platform that they're finding knowledge uh, to share with another person that really is, you know, just everyone wanting to, you know, blow the roof off the lies that they've been told or 
you know, whatever. And it's fine. Like you can blow those roofs. You can like uncover, you can be the whistleblower. But then at some point, you've got to redirect yourself back to what's important. And that's realizing what is important. And what is it? Well, again, someone coming up to me and telling me, isn't it amazing how we can breathe right now? That is important. People don't realize that yet, but they will if their oxygen was taken. If the airs became so polluted you can't breathe and that every house has to have an, a tank of oxygen that blows through their vents in order for them to stay alive. Or that when you walk down the street, you would have to wear a backpack that has tanks and canisters and that they would raise the price of those canisters so high that people would die just because of the fact they can't afford to buy oxygen. And then people would say, isn't it great that we could breathe today? Yeah, it is. Isn't it great that we can drink fresh water? Or we have a water source or we can go buy some water right now? You see, you don't appreciate things until it's gone or until it's destroyed. And that's not the way we could choose to live. We can choose to live by acknowledging what is valuable now. What's important now in your life? The people. People always say to me, why do you give so many hugs and not handshakes? And I laugh and giggle and smile. I said, well, you know, let's say, for instance, I give you a hug, right? And this is the last time you ever see me. Perhaps something happens to me and I'm gone off the planet. Wouldn't you have liked the idea that you gave me a hug instead of just shook my hand because you were afraid to have intimacy or connection, real body-to-body connection with someone, even if I was just a stranger? Wouldn't it make you feel so much more warm inside and knowing that you actually reached out of your comfort zone and gave me a hug? You see, a lot of times people don't acknowledge that. They don't acknowledge how easy and accessible it is for them to get a glass of water or to buy some water or to just have water delivered to their home and how easy and accessible it is for them to just open up a window and take in a big breath of fresh air. Ah, geez. That right there in itself, that's magic. That's powerful. Because in our world today, there are people around the world who don't even have clean water, can't breathe fresh air because they're city polluted it so much that you can't even see the sun. The water has been polluted so much that if you drink it, you die. And yet we're still going to cafes and listening to friends tell us about all the things that they feel about the coronavirus and what they feel about this and what they feel about Pizzagate and what they feel about this and that and all the different things going on, which is fine. It's great. You can be informed, be informed, but come on at some point. You know, it's like You got to focus on what you need right now to create the sustenance. And I'm going to say the word again, sustenance to develop a keen sense of awareness of your true needs for your adaptation, for your evolution, and for your capacity 
for higher intelligence to be able to surge through your being and create an intellectual frequencies that allow you to connect with people, places, and other forms that are operating in the same field of intelligence so that you can share ideas and collaborate to create a bigger and stronger and more powerful and more loving and more gracious and more kind and more free and more playful and more sensitive and more real and authentic and loving and sensual world. And if you continue to just focus on the things that you think are important, like gossiping, where, when did gossiping become so important on our planet? I can't tell you how many times I go to dinner and all I hear people do is talk about other people or talk about someone they saw on TV or talk about someone they heard on the radio or talk about someone they never met ever and talk about them because they're a celebrity or they're a public figure or an influencer or whatever it may be or whatever they saw the news give them when in truth no matter what media source you go to and what you look at you know information is always going to be distorted to the public to the people because the information is being distorted to the public and the people for a purpose to rile them up and to get them angry and to get them feeling helpless and to get them to feel divided in their views and ideas and opinions. And everybody's got an opinion. My goodness. Opinions are the highest, highest, highest of abundance we have on this planet. There's more opinions than the gold on this planet, than the money in the bank, than the sands on the ocean floor. Everyone's got an opinion and the opinions just come and come and come one after another over and over again, another opinion about something. And the question is that I always find very fascinating when it comes to people's opinions. Like when my dad used to have opinions, it was so funny to me as a kid listening to all of his wondrous opinions. Not all of them were not great, but there were a lot of more not so great opinions than great opinions. And what would make a great opinion to me versus a not great opinion would be the fact that the information that he's sharing through that opinion has some way for me to put my mind and observe and go in the journey of that opinion that leads me to a greater example of myself or another person or ways in which I can serve and bring more gracious acts of love, kindness, and, um, and really coming in from a place of service and feeling empowered to be in this embodiment and be on this planet, you know? So, but the thing is, that wasn't what his opinions were about. His opinions were always about something or someone that was either held in a negative light in some way. And his opinions were always one of doom and gloom, including my stepmom. My goodness, she was quite a doom and gloomer, let me tell you. The woman should have walked in the door wearing all black with the words on here 
that said, I've come to take you down, or I've come to bring you down, or I've come to shadow your light. Because everything out of her mouth was fear-based. It was like fear, everything is fear. Fear, 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 fear. Every time she opened her mouth, it was like the fear tongue was coming out again. It was very interesting. And I started to actually analyze on that. But then I was like, you know what? I can't really analyze it because if I analyze it, I'm analyzing it with the same information that I was given by this world, which is really a product of the matrix. Because whatever the matrix taught me in school, whenever the matrix taught me in books, whatever the matrix taught me in dictionaries was their things that they created so that I could have the reality they want me to have. So in order for me to truly start to really understand, I had to observe what kind of tongue was coming out of her mouth and the body language and how many times her eyes dilated and how many times she breathed and how she would position her hips or her legs or her foot to really give me an understanding of just observing and seeing and then being able to create my own lexicon of what I decided I want to perceive this as. Not what is in a dictionary, not what someone told me in a movie or I saw, you know, um, on television or I heard from another friend. It was about me creating what I saw into something that I understand. And it doesn't mean you have to understand it. It's about me understanding it. And then that gives me a different way to access intelligence, right? You know, and I've said this many times before, like we can call a chair a wudabaga or a wugli-bugli, or we can call it a, a zabakadaba, right? And people go, why are you calling that a zabakadaba? Well, because I'm calling it a zabakadaba because the word chair was created again by the matrix, by a system that wants you to identify what they want you to identify it as and call it and label it so that everyone is in alignment with that label and calls it that what it is and therefore sees what they see. Most people don't even realize that they don't see the other realms that exist in outside of the physical realm because they, one, don't know what they're looking for, two, have no clue how to identify it because it's not in a book and it's definitely not sitting in a dictionary and it's not taught to you in school. It's not shown to you on television and it's not spoken about by your parents. Well, not all parents, that is. And the point is, is that if you don't know what you're looking for, you don't know what to call it, and you don't know its, its description, and you haven't been exposed to it since you were a child, chances are you're definitely going to be blind to other dimensions in other worlds. Not because you're not capable, it's just that you don't know what it is, because in your world, anything that's defined and anything that has a word and anything that someone has spoken about and shared with you over and over repetitiously, you begin to fully see it present in your environment and you'll keep bringing it into your environment until you decide to change whatever frequency or label or word or lexicon to describe it and identify it in your reality, right? So again, when we're listening to people's conversations and we're exposing ourselves to that without being a clear vessel of, I get to live an orgasmic life. I get to live a pleasurable life. I get to live a joyful life. I get to live a life where I'm turned on by everything and everyone. And in order to do that, I have to choose people who actually turn me on. I have to be a part of environments that are actually uplifting, shifting, and lifting on high-level lit levels, like total lit consciousness, like lighted up consciousness. Like I'm so turned on consciousness, I feel like I'm going to explode right now into confetti because that's how lit I am. And it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter if someone comes in and is like, oh my God, my dog died. 
I'm like, well, say goodbye to your dog. You meet him again. You know, let's move on. Um, I love you, and I understand that your dog meant a lot to you. But again, your dog's not here, so let's have like a week or two weeks, maybe a month. You need to just mourn it out. Let's mourn it out. We'll give you some things to do. We'll get you some things you can throw up in. You know, things you can blow your nose with. Things that you can scream into. Perhaps you want to do some art. Maybe you want to dance in honor of your dog. Maybe there's a lot of things you want to do. You know, whatever it is. Like maybe you want to just do something that's pleasurable, so that every time you think about your dog, you think of that pleasure. It could be whatever it is. The point I'm making is. We can't sit there and dwell. So let's get to, you know, let's get into alignment of what is going to be the most beneficial, authentic, and real thing for you to do, other than feel sorry for yourself and think the whole world's falling apart because it's not. And the more you keep seeing it falling apart, you're going to be in the part of the world that is falling apart because those people who are creating it to fall apart are using their conscious will to make it so. But there's another group of people, a huge amount of people, uh. Huge, huge, huge amount of people who don't want to see it fall apart, who actually aren't seeing it fall apart, who are actually living in joy, living in pleasure, living in orgasmic turn on for life, for food, for conversations, for energy, for connection, for hugs, for touch, for cuddle puddles, and all these yummy things that we can bring into our life. You know, like we want to get the yummy, yummy. Like you know, Justin um, Bieber. You know, he has he he has, he has some knowledge about these things about. You know the yummy, yummy. Maybe he's thinking of something else, yummy, yummy. But the point is, the yummy, yummy, yummy. Like the real yummy, yummy, is that yummy spiritual, powerful awareness of all of the turn-ons and orgasmic energies and frequencies and feel-good energies and like I'm lit and I'm like turning into a confetti flying all over the room because I am a static being living. My life on a planet where I get to observe those who see it fall apart, and I get to be in heaven on earth because I choose to, because I will my will with the alignment of creation, which is inside of me that wants that same experience of like being an embodiment of a human form, a biological spacesuit, and I get to make my life orgasmic and experience all of these beautiful feelings and connections. Yeah, why wouldn't I want to take a human form? So that part of me inside, that all-knowing part of me inside, that that loving, omnipresent, omnipotent part of my being that people refer to as God or Allah or Jesus or whatever it may be that they want to call it, which again is only a lexicon created by a system. It is without name. It is without label, and it is without definition. What we can say it is has feeling, and that feeling is love, and that feeling is freedom, and that feeling is liberation, and that feeling is playfulness, and that feeling is just oh oh oh, oh yes, it's that right there. Mmm, that sweet spot. That's creation inside of you. And it's asking you to keep getting into that sweet spot in every type of conversation you get into, every person you connect with. Get into that sweet spot all the time, and the sweet spot inside of you will grow, and you'll become literally, literally a walking G spot. But you won't be a G spot. You'll be a G being. You'll be a walking G being, meaning like every part of your being is pleasurable. Someone touches your finger, and you're like, ooh. I love it. You look at a flower, you're like, hello. (laughs) Yes. 
Woo! Because you will see the cosmic energy moving through you and through everything simultaneously. You will see yourself in every person and everything and you will understand the essence of the one and all. And it won't be separation. And it won't matter if any system tries to separate you. They won't get anywhere. It won't happen. Someone can say, oh, you have to, people did this to you and your people did that to you and these people did this to your race and these people did that and people did this and people did this and people did that and people did this and people did this and they did this and they did this and this. Aren't you angry? Aren't you upset? Why aren't you marching? Why aren't you doing this? You need to get angry. You need to get riled up. You need to rile yourself up. You need to be angry with these types of people and be angry with these types of people. And you want to, these people, you don't want them on the planet. They threaten your whole reality. You want to get rid of them. You don't want those types of people on the planet. We even labeled them for you gay. We labeled them for you bi. We labeled them for you uh, this and that. We gave labels to them so you can understand where they are, so you feel safe to know where they're at in their pockets and where they are in their compartmentalizations. So why, so you know, like, you know, there you go. You know who they are and you know who they are. And we did it in high school when you were there too. Remember that? Yeah, we labeled the groups, remember? And we put that into your head so that you would actually begin to see the separation between you and another person. Remember the jocks and the nerds and you remember those people. You remember the ones who like who would leave campus and they weren't supposed to, but they did anyway. Hmm. Yeah, you remember those. You remember that, right? Okay, well, guess what? That's in the world too. We, we created labels there so you would follow the labels here. So, but in truth, like the way we get people to accept labels and we, we make them feel justified to accept it. So what we do is like we create a label and then we know that they're not going to choose it. So we give them reasons to choose it. So they actually think it was them who came up with the decision when in truth it wasn't, it was us. <laughs> I mean, us meaning like the system that has been wanting to enslave humans for a very long time because humans make really good and easy for us to live a very cushy life. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, look, the times have changed. I mean, before, okay, it was like maybe a pharaoh or there was a sultan or it was like, you know, someone that, you know, would be able to like enslave all the people, but we were actually enslaving them. But then again, we realized like, what? Just cut out the middleman. Why don't we just get them to enslave themselves? And then we actually just benefit from all their slavery that they give to themselves. We'll just put the, head, the words in their head and we'll just, you know, we'll just create this whole kind of um, conundrum of putting all these labels out there and boxes and then we'll scare the shit out of them and make them feel like there's nowhere else they can run other than to the boxes that we put there. And then they'll just run right into that box and accept every label and every definition that comes along with it. We'll also make them choose the, the dictionary and we'll say, this is the book you read for to get definitions about things. And we'll make sure that everyone believes that and accepts that. And then we'll make sure that you understand this is your vocabulary and this is how you speak and this is what you do and this is how you calculate and this is how you do this and this is how you do that. And that's what this is and this is what this is and everything has a compartmentalization so we can control the whole entire thing. And nothing should leave their box because if it does, then we have to cause problems. Yeah. Well, you know, we're not really going to cause the problems. We're going to have you cause the problems by causing a problem to you that makes you cause a problem. Does that make sense? I mean, because at the end of the day, we really have to consider this, right? You're not on a planet that's free because we don't want you to be free. We don't want you to be free, not because we don't like you, or because we, 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 we do and we don't. Here's the thing. We don't want you to be free because free means, well, then we're equal and we're all going to be happy and everyone's going to have food and everyone's going to have shelter and then people are just going to, 
come together in clusters and use their consciousness so that we can help other planets. Boring. Like, there's a great joy in seeing hierarchy, even though it's not real, but we create it to be real by creating a system that basically puts you into different boxes and categories, numbers and codes. Some are higher, some are lower, some get this, some get that, some get nothing. And everybody plays their part exactly the way we want them to. Of course. Now, the reason why we have to subjugate women, and I don't want to be mean about this, okay? But women are a pain in our ass. Women are so annoying because women see the system that we built. So that's why we have to make them not trust their intuition, you see, because when we get them not to trust their intuition, they can't see what we've cooked up. You see, because when we get them not to trust their intuition, they think they're actually, you know, crazy or making things up. And then we get their men to like see women as weak. And we also get their men to feel uncomfortable for women because we make them feel inferior that women have more power than them. So we give every tool we can to them to make them subjugate and oppress women unconsciously. Like some men are doing it, they don't even realize they're doing it just by the words that come out of their mouth and the actions and choices that they make. Now, okay, so look, we're not trying to hurt you. We're just trying to corral you. We're just trying to put you in a position where you do what we want you to do, not what we don't want you to do. Don't you realize that that's how it's been since you were born? It was never a question asked to you of what would make you the ultimate happy person. And if you don't know, we'll help you figure that out. And then you can go and do the thing that you, you want to do. You don't have to go to school. You just go straight to the thing you want to do and we'll create a whole entire support system for that. No, of course not. I mean, that, that would have been really easy. And then the things that we really want, which is domination and hierarchy, mm, it wouldn't go down that way. And then we can't support the artists and the people who create art because people who create art are tapping into magic. Or they're tapping into the looking glass of magic, which means if they keep looking at the art or really understanding why they're doing art, they'll actually realize that they're opening up portals and we don't want them to know that kind of alchemy because then, then people start to think outside of the box. And then if they start thinking out of the box and they'll create music that starts kind of telling the truth about what we are doing and then some people will wake up. But then if those people wake up, we have a plan for them too. So here's the deal. Men will have to subjugate women because women will have to feel inferior. So that way they'll never trust their intuition. So they will never trust themselves and have that autonomy with themselves or have that safety and security that they can survive alone without having a man. So, and they can survive even having a man, but having their own stuff and having their own life. So that way they feel safe. So that way they'll trust themselves. And if they trust themselves, then they'll trust what they say and they'll trust their wisdom and they'll trust the other wisdom. And then they'll start sharing information. And before you know it, the whole system will come crumbling down because then men will start aligning to their feminine energy. And then they'll start realizing stuff. And then they'll see the things that have been done. And, oh, it'll just be a big mess. And then I'm going to have to, you know, talk to management. And uh, management's not going to be very happy about that. So what we're going to have to do is keep them separated. And we can't keep the races together because each race, we split up all the information a long time ago within each of the races of the world. And if we let them come together, they'll piece the biggest book together. They'll realize that we fabricated a lot of their books to make them afraid of their own power, which means keep them afraid of God. Isn't that clever? I mean, you have to come on. You got to give it to me. 
It's pretty clever, right? Like, literally, we made them afraid of their own creator. <laughs> we made them afraid of the creator. They're even singing songs like, you know, like about God, you know,'s wrath and punishment, and God will destroy them. And, you know, there's to, to be fearful of God is to love God. I mean, who bought that stuff? We were really good at figuring that up. You know, we have a whole marketing team that figured that whole thing out. And they were like, wait a second. If we got them afraid of their creator, which means them, because the creator is inside of them, then they would be afraid of themselves. And then they'll do everything they can against creation, which means being against themselves. And they'll run themselves crazy. And all we simply have to do is create laws and rules that make them have a safe place to keep their crazy and we'll tell them it's normal. And then we'll have them live out these very normal lives where they walk around the street telling people like, hello, good day, how are you? Are you feeling good? Yeah, wonderful, great, thank you, okay, bye. Knowing how fake that is, we'll just keep them on that train and they'll never figure out that. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because we'll make sure that anytime they try to disobey any of the orders that you know are being presented to them from our wonderful collaboration, uh, we will literally make them feel like they're never going to be able to survive. We'll just keep pulling the death card out. Like, if you don't do this, you're not going to survive. You won't eat and you'll live up on the street and you'll probably die. Or no one will like you and you'll be outcasted and no one will like you and you'll be alone and no one will care about you and no one will love you and you'll just die. And again, it'll just die and you'll die and you'll die and you'll die and you'll die. But we'll hide the death card in like an emotion that they actually don't understand the reason why they're really afraid is because they're afraid of dying but we'll just hide it in there nonchalantly and make them think it's something else you see because look yes it's true we have an issue with gay people and it's not because we have an issue with them it's not because we want to have an issue with them actually we do okay that wouldn't be truthful but since we're on the topic and we're having the conversation we do have an issue with gay people and the reason why is because yeah, the creator is meddling again. So the creator figured out that if there were gay people, which in truth, that's not who they really are. And that's not really what their name is, like queer and gay and all these things. We created that, but we needed them to choose it to feel safe, that they have their own community away from the ones that don't love them and like them so they can feel like they belong to somewhere. So we created a box. We called it queer, gay. We gave it all of these interesting names. And then we just kind of like created all this fear and hate and like destruction towards them and like everything. And again, we hid the death card in there that if you um, live your truth, eventually it can lead to death. And so we made sure some people did that. And then we kind of stuffed it in there and they just ran right into our box and we closed it up and ribboned it up and everything. And now we know exactly where they are and what they like and what they believe. And then we got all the advertising companies to sell them more stuff. And we just basically use them and enslave them in their box. Like we enslave you in your box and your box and your box. And oh, and don't forget, you are in three boxes and we keep you enslaved in three boxes. Because look, until you realize that we want full dominion over this planet and we want hierarchy on this planet and we don't want to share anything with any of you. So we need slaves to keep the system going just like the Pharaoh did, just like the Sultan did. Just like every single dictator has ever did. We are the ones who created them and we're the ones who orchestrated the whole thing to see if it was even possible to enslave you. 
a being who has so much power and such capacity of love and so much joy and so much yumminess inside that you create instantly without even having something on the outside create it for you. We're going to make you be codependent so you'll never see that you are the generating source. Yeah, that's right. Okay, fine. The cat's out of the bag. Okay, so you are a powerful, multidimensional generating source. That means you exist in multidimensional energies. That means you're omnipresent, omnipresent, and omniscient, but you don't know it because you're in a biological spacesuit. So you think that this is you and only you, but you don't realize that you're existing on quantum levels as well as many levels, even in this embodiment and on earth. Meaning, yeah, there's you in a tree and there's you in all kinds of things. In fact, every person you see is you. So the thing is, here's the deal. We don't want you to ever find that out. So we are going to make you label yourself. We're going to make sure we give you a name because a name looks really good on your label. And we're also going to make sure that you spend most of your time surviving where you won't have a lot of time to be thinking about things unless, of course, you're doing things like with shamans and healers and medicines and talking to spirits and stuff. So what we need to do is make sure that anytime any of you decide to do any of those things, you'll just be considered crazy by the general populace. And if you can overcome that, then fine. Have your little space in your little corner and build your little army and so forth. But in truth, you're not going to be able to do anything to us until you can get people to realize that they're not afraid of God anymore. Because to be afraid of God is to be afraid of themselves. And you're going to have to get women to rise up and claim their power and sovereignty and men to step into their feminine. And you're going to have to get people to let go of their labels that we gave them that they are holding on so strong to with pride and justification and saying, this is who I am. And this is what a black person is. And this is what a white person is. This is what a gay person is. This is what a straight person is. This is what a woman is. This is what a man is. Every time they do that, they're justifying, which means their pride is getting stronger to hold on to that label. So if you try to pull that label around or you try to even yank that label out of their hands, They are going to come for you. That's right. So you better figure something else out. Because the only way you could ever let them realize that they have a label is for you to not realize that you don't have one, which means that you would have to have liberation and remove your labels and become so fluid that you're not even fluid anymore, that you are actually translucent and you are aware that you are this magnificent being and therefore you would have to shine that light bright enough for them to see so they can remember their own light and then they would release their labels and attachments and then uh yeah it wouldn't be so great for us i don't even know why i'm telling you this but okay fine i let the cat out of the bag but it's not gonna matter anyway will it i mean do you really want to ride the lit train do you really want to be a litty committee a lit leader of legacy do you want to be the most amazing parents Amazing lover, boyfriend, girlfriend, family member. Do you want to be a leader in this world? Because if you do, then you're going to have to not be liked a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. Mm -hmm. Can you handle that? Can you handle not being liked a lot? Or is your little soul so scared that you're not going to be loved and you're going to go cry home to mommy and daddy that no one loves you? And then you're going to stay under a rock and hide away from everything in life because you're so afraid that you're not going to be loved. Or do you realize that you're already loved, even from the people you're actually waking up who don't like you? Because they told you before you left, if you try to wake me up, I'm going to fight you. 
If you try to wake me up, I'm going to scream at you. I might say horrible words to you. But please don't stop. Because I will fall asleep on that planet when I get there. And when you come, if you wake up before me, please help me. And if I wake up before you, don't forget about me no matter what I say. So, I guess we're going to go to Earth and find our brothers and sisters, huh? I'll see you there. Remember, don't give up on me no matter what. No matter what the Matrix does, no matter what the system that is controlling that planet does, no matter what those beings do to keep hierarchy and enslavement on that planet, don't forget to wake me up. No matter what I do, even if I kill you or hurt you, come back. Don't leave me behind. Love you, tribe. Hey, tribe. So the tribe wants to hear from you. And I know a lot of you are talented out there in music and poetry and recipes and ideas and just, you know, things that you want to share with the tribe. You can send that information to info at shamandurek.com and share your gifts with the tribe. Love you all and stay lit. Hey tribe, I'm super excited to share with you one of our tribal shares from David Ben Simone. David Ben Simone is an author and his amazing book that is a book series that is The Little Crab Finds a Friend. He's going to be sharing an excerpt from that an astrology-based adventure about a little crab's journey home through an astrological land. You can also connect with David on his IG account at Little Crab Astrology. That's L-I-T-T-L-E-C-R-A-B-A-S-T-R-O-L-O-G-Y. And that's David Benson Moan. Thank you, David, for supporting the Itty Bitty Lady Committee. Children are going to love your book. And at the end of every day, when it's night, dear mom would read me a book about the moon and its light. Mom, I love the moon, I said. But you know what, said dear mom. When you look at the moon, you can see what you love most. Well, then the moon will always show me you, I softly spoke. Mom just blushed and then said, Little crab, I must tell you, nothing in life stays the same that... One day, there could come a giant wave of change. Can I tell you something? I don't want that wave to come. No, I do not want a single change to my life, not a one. But one day, life decided not to stay the same. One morning, Mom did not call my name. Hey Tribe, we're going to take a short break to hear from one of our amazing sponsors. Loving Libations is one of my favorite body bombs. The Body Love Butter. Loving Libations is a central line of edible and spreadable love butters. Ooh, if you're not getting enticed, I'm definitely going to share more with you. And lotions that set things into motion. I think you know what I mean, right? Arouse the desires with a succulent botanical for the silky slick skin to enhance, glide, and slide upon the hips and lips. 
This scintillating synergy of organic ingredients guides your way into a languid play day and night. Basically, your lovemaking will take you to a whole nother level you've ever been on because it is phenomenal. The Loving Libations Tantric line includes luscious languid, radiant and lucky love butters and juicy radiant and Venus love lubes that may be used as moisturizing massage oils and non-latex lubricants. Tribe, this is the way to go for keeping it healthy and not using those products with tons of chemicals, but utilizing something that is from nature and from love and connection to our bodies. So when you're going to be intimate, go with loving libations. So go check out livinglivations.com and enter the code SHAMAN at your checkout for a special 20% off your entire purchase. It's time to look good and feel good. Love you. All right, tribe. Time to hear from our special guest. Hello, tribe, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. I'm Shaman Dirk, and I'm very happy to have Marta Louise with us in today's share. She is a writer, a humanitarian. She lectures all over the world for women empowerment, and she happens to be my girlfriend. And I'm super excited to bring her on today to share everything about her life, her vision, and her wisdom, which is so needed to be heard right now with all of us in the tribe. So welcome. Hi, honey. Oh, thank you. That was an amazing intro. Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> so I want to just kind of go right in, okay? So you, you come into this world and your family is the royal family. What was that like for you as a kid? Well, to me, growing up in the royal family was very normal. And because that was my family. So I didn't know anything else or anything different. Uh, what I did realize was that uh, we had more press conferences. I had to be with more grown-ups and, and more grown-up gatherings than my friends did. But I had a very sort of as normal life as I could. Um, Nor Norway doesn't have aristocracy. So uh, we have, I've, I've been to kindergarten with uh, the local uh, people and I played with all the kids at the farm that I grew up on. So my normal day life was very, yeah, like anybody else's life really. We were climbing trees, you know, running around in the garden. We grew up in a big house, much bigger than other people's houses. And we had a huge green park around the house um, and we also had like soldiers protecting us which was different from other people but again it's just that I, I was like that and I grew up like that I think when when you are a child uh, you don't see those differences as much though I always felt as bad well I felt bad for having more than others I did so when we were out, for example, this is told to me later, but when we were out with my family, we would always have like bodyguards with us and we would have ladies in waitings and ADCs from the military with us. And, and so it was never a sort of family trip that we would go on or a family picnic. There would be, be like an entourage 
which I always found was was strange. And we would have food and they would sit without food. So I would go and share my food with all of them, you know, like when I had something to spare. And um, But we had a very normal life. My parents wanted me and my brother, I have a younger brother called Hawkon, and they wanted us to have as normal an upbringing as anybody else. So we went to um, a school in Oslo that was a public school and had friends from all walks of life, not just rich kids, but from all walks of life and had a quite as normal an upbringing as possible, I guess. I was very much the tomboy though when I grew up. I was very sort of, I loved being out on my bicycle. I loved climbing trees. I loved like being very physical. So I always had, was in trouble because I was supposed to be this pretty little princess and I would fall down from a tree getting like a bruise on my lip or, you know, black eye or something when I was supposed to do my, you know, my official things where I was supposed to look nice in my nice dresses. Uh, also, when I grew up, it was a bit of a problem because uh, my hair didn't grow. And I had very short hair until I was three without cutting it. And my mom was really afraid that I would look like a boy because she, she, she had always wanted a girl to, uh, to have a girl, to, you know, to braid her hair and, and to have all these girly things. And I was this tomboy, didn't like dresses. And she had to have a bow in my hair who I always, always pulled out. And when my brother came along two years, when I was about two years old, uh, I, he took all the attention. So I started, you know, lifting my skirts up to show my underwear. And I had this wonderful laced underwear that my mom would put on me so that that wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> so all these things was, yeah, part of my upbringing and also state visits from abroad. So did you feel like the friends around you and the people you were going to school treated you any different because they knew that you were the royal princess? I've always been very sensitive. So I'm a highly sensitive person or an empath, as many of you call it in America. So I was very, always very sensitive to what people were thinking of me or their thoughts behind what they were in my face. Like there are many people who held back away from me because I was who I was. And there were people who were very much too much onto me because I was who I was. And it was very difficult to find who was actually there for me and not just because I was a princess. And so when I started riding horses at the age of eight, that kind of saved saved me a lot because horses and in the stable was a place where I could be totally myself. And the horses always met me from the heart like an animal always does and, and could be there for me. And if I did well with my riding, it was because I did well and not because I was a princess because I did show jumping for many years. And the communication and the contact with the horse was so important to me and have this animal that I could cry with and laugh with and be with, you know, and all the people in the stables didn't care. They don't care who you are. They just care about the horse and their well-being and, and all that. And, and you have a wonderful arena. I had a wonderful arena to explore myself and, and in the connection with the horse. So developing this bond with an animal having them, you know, your 
uh, every little thought you do that the animal actually react to that and have that communication with them and fine tune that with every animal was just so amazing for me because I longed for this communication with people that I had with animals that was this heart to heart communication that I think everybody who's sensitive or spiritual or see things behind people's masks like I do and you do and and many people do but we tend to not meet on that perspective we we tend to meet from a very mental place like a place of uh, oh the weather is wonderful today isn't it or uh, you know, very sort of superficial conversations. And for me, that is just like, why do we have these conversations? I've never understood it. Why, for me, important conversations are like, what is it that inspires you in life? And what is what is preventing you from being the best you can be? And what does your heart desire? And what are, are your spirits asking you to do right now? And what is hindering you from you to do that? And what are you afraid of? And, and you know, these kind of things that, that I'm so passionate about, nobody really spoke about. Nobody really had this heart-to-heart communication that I was longing for. So the animals really came in and and taught me how to have that heart-to-heart communication, which which later in life has been very, very useful. And to see behind people's masks and really be there for people and, and took me into, you know, energy work and energy readings and has inspired me to, you know, go for my spiritual path, down my spiritual path, uh, which is not very us- usual for a royal person to do, but I have, I have done that. <laughs> You, you most certainly have, <laughs> but you know what I what I what I have to say though when it comes to horses because you know I ride too and I love horses because horses can really feel you know who you are and what you are and if you believe in yourself or if you don't believe in yourself yeah. you know very different from what I find with other animals and I, I love that that aspect. Well, the thing the, the yeah, and the thing with horses is also that they are flight animals. So compared to cats and dogs who are predators, you know, they have a total different approach to life. They will go for it. Well, horses, you have to get this bond. You have to get this trust for them to actually come to you. So it's such a delicate bond, like reflecting everything from you as a human being and how you are as a leader, how you are in yourself, how you are comfortable with yourself. It reflects on how the horses react, which is really interesting as well. It really is. I, I've had friends that I've taken to learn how to ride horses and, you know, they just kind of, the horse was very uncomfortable with them. And they were like, why is my horse so uncomfortable? I'm like, because you're uncomfortable with who you are. And horses are yeah. such a great sign to show you who you really are. I, you know, I feel. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, I just kind of want to bring, um, bring it back a little bit. So you were born the first in your family, which means you were heir to the throne to become queen. Is that right? Well, at the time when I was born, the constitution stated that the first born male was the one to take over the throne. So uh, basically there was a bit of a chaos when I was a girl. Um, because they they didn't know if if there was a boy coming or not, and that was not okay because there's only men who are supposed to rule. And so, when my brother was born two years later, or almost two years later, he everybody was so like, relieved, you know, like oh, finally he's here, and and he he is now the crown prince to take over after my dad, which I'm very happy about. To be honest, it's a lifelong 
duty and it's a it's a wonderful way to be there for the people but you also have to sacrifice a lot to have that role i know my brother will do an amazing part as king and he's doing already an amazing part as crown prince with his wonderful wife princess meta marit and their family so i'm super happy for and and if i was to be crown princess then i most likely wouldn't have met you which would also be very sad yeah i understand that but at some, i want to just kind of go into it because you know at some point there must have been some part of you that was affected by that as a female because there's a part of you that's really strong about women empowerment and do you feel like that experience has led to you in this life to be so you know uh, driven to see women empowered I find that my mother has been a driving force for me. I've watched her when she came into the palace or the royal the royal palace. She is not of of uh, royal descent, and she came into the palace. There was my grandmother. Uh, my grandfather was king at the time, and his wife, Grand Princess Martha, had died. So there was no women in the palace, and and the military was very much in charge there. They had all the different roles so it was male military dominant of uh, the whole palace and there was no room for my mother she didn't even have an office and she was supposed to be like first lady the you know supporting my dad as crown princess so there was no space for her so through my childhood there was this gradual acceptance of her as an equal part to my dad and how that grew and what what how hard it was for her to be respected as a woman by the side of my dad and my dad always wanted her to be there you know and be equal to him so it was all this like old ways that she had to go through and and change and transform till today when she has a, a big as office, as big an office as my dad and and is totally equal and everybody looks as them like that although my dad is the one taking all the decisions and and the one in power of course but uh when it comes to the two of them they're very equal and my brother and my sister-in-law is the same and so i think for inspiration the plight and the effort and the all the hours of frustration and you know i think that has really formed me into seeing that is so important what women bring to the table because i i've also seen how the palace has been transformed when has come in and actually come with her wisdom come with her ways of dialogue how how things can change you know both both ethnically but also through what she's done inside the palace and transformed it completely completely together with my dad. And so I see the value of having both there. You know, you need the masculine and you need the feminine together. And this is a very strong case for me. Um I think as a as a girl I was very strong. I was very strong-willed. And I've been brought up to be listened to as much as my brother. Um so I've never really felt that I was pushed aside. I have felt uh, there was a period of my time when they wanted to change the constitution because we had a, a female prime minister 
Kogru Harlem Brintlan in the 80s. And and she thought it was wrong that it was Hawthorne or my brother or that it was a male taking over when I was the oldest. Um, and she wanted to change the constitution. Uh, and that was quite a, you know, suddenly my grandfather and my father was asking me, do you want to be queen? And what is all this? And I was like, I was 15. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Uh, I didn't know what to say or do. And, and I felt that that I wasn't prepared for that. My brother had been brought up like that and, and was prepared for that, not me. And, and so my grandfather said in the end that you don't take the horse out of the race once the race has started. And, and so that whole thing blew over. And they changed the constitution so that now in the next generation, um, the first one born, whether it's a female or male, is it is a female, by the way, uh, Ingrid, and she she will take over after my brother, and so so it all changed. Um, but I am very happy that I am not to be be queen. To be honest, my brother will do an excellent job. Like I said, no, I, I definitely and agree. I think, yeah, and I think that also, you know, like my 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 work with women also or for women has to do with the fact that I really think that this world has to change. Like we are in a, in a state in the world where everything that has been, has been from the male perspective. And I don't quite agree that, you know, when, when these women's fronts come that they're like excluding the men now, it's like they have these women's things that's going on all the time. And we exclude the men like the men have excluded us for centuries, you know, and I think the way forward is to cooperate and, and to have the women empowerment. And we have to lean in and we have to believe ourselves. We have to believe that we are a force to reckon with and that we are here to, to share our wisdom and that we have wisdom to share. I also find that a, a lot of women, you know, when when men speak, they go like, oh, I know this and this and this and this, and they just blabber on, even though they don't really know what they're going on about. And women, when they do know they go what they're on about, they go like, um, I don't know if I'm the right person to say this, but, you know, and they're very insecure. Even I've been to conferences, you know, high, high level conferences with ministers and presidents and everything. And it's the same, all the women, well, not all the women, I shouldn't say that, but some of the women there even are like, oh yes, I'm sorry, I shouldn't, maybe I'm not the expert to say this, but this is my opinion. Instead of going like, and this is what I have discovered through my work in, of for so many years. And this is what is uh, my opinion, which is totally equal to anybody else's opinion. So I find that uh, more and more women are waking up. Uh, but we sort of take a little bit of excuse me, excuse that I'm here kind of approach instead of going, yes, I'm here. I'm here to be reckoned with. You should listen to us too. I also find that at some of the conferences I am at, they really, really want change. Like the whole whole concept is about change. And then when I'm on stage and I look into the audience, there are only men or at least over 50%, like 17% men. And 30% women. And I'm like, how can you get change if you think that the old paradigms of, of ruling and being leaders is continuing? It's the same as saying that you have a factory making a certain product and suddenly the factory is going to make a new product. 
but we don't want to change any of the machinery or material, but we want a totally new product at the end of it. It won't work like that. You can't have the same thing happening and going forward and think things are going to change. You have to change things within how the leadership of places work, right? And I see around the world, there are more and more women coming in. I think, I think we have to start acknowledging that men and women are different. Uh, physically, we're different, obviously, but also in the way we think and what we do. Uh, and I think that's not bad to acknowledge. At least in Norway, it's been a thing where we are to be so equal that we lose the difference of men and women. And women see things in a different way and our wisdom is different from a man's. It doesn't mean that a man's wisdom is bad. It doesn't mean a woman's wisdom is bad. They're both good. It's just different perspectives. And we need both those perspectives to move forward, but as equals. So equally listening to the woman as the man and trying to try out new ways of seeing the world and how we can collaborate and how we can work together. I find that, for example, success today is to earn a lot of money for your business. That doesn't necessarily help many people in the world. That helps you and whoever's in your business. Uh, and it might help other people. It depends what kind of business you have, but it might not. But the thing, for me, my dream about success would be that it success would be graded from how many people you help, like that success, uh, and not how, many, how much money you earn. You can earn money helping people, that's not what I'm saying, but the more people you help and, and uh, enlighten or the more people you enrich with uh, knowledge or whatever it is, uh, the, the more it's a community lift uh, and the more we have like a lift of consciousness or a lift of human rights or a lift of, of lifting each other, that what is my dream for the future of success and not just money. And when we get into this kind of, of thought of success or, or bounty or having, having, you know, being rich, what is really that? Being rich to me is, is having uh, a lot to share with each other. Uh, I think we have to let go of, you know, I think it's so funny. There's so many, like with us too, there's so many people reacting for me choosing you as my boyfriend because we still live in a world where we have these limitations and I'm representing the country. And so people get so mad at me for choosing somebody who they can't relate to because you have, because of the color of your skin, uh, you're not supposed to be that color when you're with me. <laughs> you know, that's just a, a norm. It's a limitation that people have in their brain. Then you're not supposed to be soul sexual. You know, that's also not a norm that people have. That's like, oh, this is where, how, where do we place you? This is not, this is not safe. You know, you're, you're not from the right country or the right, uh, right, and uh, part of society. Uh, that's also about, and, and oh my God, you're spiritual. What do we do with that? We don't understand anything that comes out of his mouth. It must be mad, you know? And all these things put together and they're really, I find it's so interesting how people, when they get triggered, 
instead of going inwards, asking the question of what is triggering me? What are the triggers that I meet with these people? Because most of these people who are so angry at us being together haven't even met us. They don't know us. And they have these preconceptions of who I'm supposed to be with. Uh, and then when you don't fit into that box on so many levels, it's like triggering all the different levels. <laughs> then they want to get rid of you. So they get angry with you and why are I together with you? And then they, they get angry with you and angry with me instead of looking at people at their own triggers and what is it actually in them that limits them to see that we can have a loving, wonderful, amazing relationship, even if it goes against what is set from from history. And who says that I can't be together with a shaman who is amazing and has an amazing color of his skin and who's soul sexual? Like, I don't, I don't look at the world through that lens. I don't see these limitations. And I think that is so important for people to move into that space too, that we don't judge each other from the criterias of skin, uh, religion, uh, belief systems, you know, that we are open to each other because we are humans and we need to reach out to each other in this day and age. And we need to look behind and beyond um, these superficial walls that we put up for each other. This is so important, I think, in these days. And I, I find that, you know, I think we, we teach people a lot just by being together and, and that they have to start looking at their own limitations. Definitely. I feel that a lot of people are triggered by us and I believe that's God's plan, you know? And I think also too, it's not just the, it's, it's coming from both sides, you know? I mean, it's because I'm black and it's also, I get it from, from, you know, from the melanated uh, community, you know, where they're like, why didn't you choose a black woman? Why are you with a, why are you with a white woman? You know? And it's the interesting thing that I find is that they're so stuck on the color, sexuality, you being a royal princess, me being a shaman, they're not looking at the love that is being amplified in the world through each other. You know, I'm, I will never forget what made me fall in love with you. And it's the way you're even just the things you're saying right now. One of the greatest things that I, I always look for in, because I know that I represent a very strong archetype, a very king type ar archetype where I'm very strong willed. I don't let things, um, you know, take me down so quickly, you know, and I, I stand firm on the ground of my visions and my ideas of what, I see that could benefit the people and support the people to thrive, to live and to be generous and kind and loving and supportive to one another so that we can start building a global community and, and the doctors and the scientists and all of the different people out there in the world are being seen for what they are bringing to our species so that we can adapt and we can evolve. And what I love about you and what I find very beautiful about you is how you can put me in my place and, you know, and you call me on my stuff. <laughs> and, and that's, a, it takes a strong woman to be able to, to, to shut me up and to say, no, honey, there's another way to look at this. And you challenge me. And I, I'm not attracted to people who can't challenge me, you know, and I'm yeah. very attracted to you because we have a lot of, even though you're the world princess and you live this life and I'm the shaman and I lived my life, we have a lot of, of, of things in common with each other. 
you know, our humanitarian yes. ways. Like I watched you when we first met and, uh, and I watched how you were kind to people how you take time for people. I would sit, you, see you sitting down on the couch and I'm like, what are you doing? You're like, I'm answering the people on my Instagram. That's what I do. You know, I, I saw so many similarities of how you conduct yourself um, in groups of people, how open you are and how safe it is for people to come up to you, talk to you, share with you and conversate with you about a myriad of different topics. It could be scientific. It can be, you know, artistic. It could be talking about, you know, all of the, the many things in the world, everything from agriculture to you name it. And I love that about you because that's the same way that I am. So I, so for me, you know, having, uh, seeing someone like you, who's very strong. And then the fact that you have the spiritual side and the spiritual side, isn't like, you know, doing yoga and drinking green smoothies and doing these things. Your spiritual side is practical. Like mine, it's about how do we, uh, evolve and how can we evolve yeah. in a loving, nurturing way? And how can we support children? How can we support elders? How can we support, mm -hmm. you know, life? So and like, a lot of people don't, um, they don't um, know us So they, that they make comments. And you're absolutely right, my love. You know, they make comments and they write things about us in the press and stuff like that. And, you know, some, I remember you and I for a whole, I think it was like for months, we would just read some of the press and start laughing. Do you remember that? Do you remember? We, yeah, yeah, yeah. we used to like, it was like, our, yeah. it was like our funny time. We would just read what people would write about us and we would know they were so off and so wrong as they are still today. And they don't really yes. know us because they've never taken the time to say, Hey, I want to, I want to sit down with you and really get to know both of you. You know, they haven't really yeah. stepped into that. They're like, I want to find juice on you. I want to find things on you. And and things that they can use to, to, to try to paint whatever picture they want. But we know inside and God knows, right, the manner of our beings and who we are. And I love that about you. I, I love uh, you. Jeez. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> You're so cute. Oh, uh, thank yeah, you, babe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was, yeah. And, and that's so true. And, 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 and that's what I thought was amazing with you too, you know, that we have this common path of, of being spiritual and we can like go into all different worlds and frequencies and, and thrive together and, and work, love each other forward into our next dimension of ourselves, you know, which I think is so beautiful and to grow together with you is just so amazing. And then we share that with other people as well and let them grow. But I think when you, ha when you are a leader of other people, it's so important, which you do too, is to like take the steps yourself as well. You can never teach anything that you haven't gone through yourself and that you've come through on the other side and you have to lead people from the other side of that dip or that drench or, you know, that whatever you're teaching them so that you can stand on the other side and say, I've been through this too. And this is how I got through it. You can choose your way to go through, but I can show you mine. And I find that so inspiring with being with you too, because you're so for that and growing together. And I know that sometimes I go into this, like, we have to, we have to do, we have to start doing sessions and we have to like uh, do spiritual uh, stuff right now. And even I wake you up in the morning, I'm like, we have to go, we have to go, we have to like do stuff. Uh, and you're like, oh God, 
Yeah, yeah, it's a- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, seriously, at this time. <laughs> I'm like, honey, it's because seven I, o'clock I in the morning. We, we gotta yeah. start. We're gonna start practicing our powers now, going into our, all these deep, deep levels of like pain and world it, and. Yes, but it's also like I feel that we don't have that much time now. We have to. Everybody has to wake up to who they are right now, and and I feel I don't have time to waste for being who I am right now and and standing for it. And I find it also interesting in this country of Norway because uh, I opened a spiritual center and, and went down that path, which is not done for a while, to put it that way. And I did my education here also in Norway. And I, I used to put on a wig and glasses and had uh, dark lenses on and not to be recognized, you know, when I did my energy readings because it was so like not okay for me to do spiritual stuff uh, at that time. Um, But then I was a teacher at the center and I found that this is really what I feel like gives me so much. And I'm so passionate about this. I have to continue to do this. And so I found my business partner and we started a spiritual center in Norway in 2007. Now, when we came out with that, we started working with angels and spirituality and energy readings and healings and you name it. And you can imagine like how much heat I got from that. It was incredible. Like all the historians were against me. The psychologists were against me, you know, saying that I must have gone mad and it was dangerous what I was doing. The older leaders in the, in the country, male mostly, um, trashed me for starting my own business and especially in, in spirituality. And this was just nonsense and, and, you know, not good. And the, and the church was against me saying that this is a, a dangerous to walk people down that road of, of communicating with angels, even though the whole Bible is with angels. But so it was very tough, I must say. And I've written many books also on the, on the subject. And it has, it has been wonderful to see the people who actually, even though there's so much negativity all the time, how many people, amazing people come to listen to what we have to say or buy the books or come to our courses and really want to learn and develop and come from a pure heart and how they manage to see me through all the negativity that's out there in the press and the papers, on the news, on the news channels, on the radio, you know, we're a very small country. So when we're only 5 million people here in Norway, so when, when there is news on any of the royal family, it's in all channels. It's like, you know, bombardment of us all over. And I've always been so amazed that people find who I truly am through all that negativity. And there's been amazing people and development and it's taking me on this journey uh, within myself, around the country, in the world, you know, talking about all these things. And then we closed down um, in May last year in 2019. And I was like, what am I supposed to do right now? And then all these things about women's rights, women's movements, what's next step for women started just flowing in. And I was like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. And then you came into the picture and I was like, oh, so that's what I'm supposed to do. And so it's so interesting how spirit leads you in your life if you just listen to where it takes you. And I think 
at this moment in time, it's so important that we all start listening inward to our intuition, our heart, our spirit, whatever you want to call it. But that voice inside of you that really calls you to to be the one you were supposed to be or to be the one that you chose to be before you came to this earth, you know, and to live up to, to the person you believed in before you came here when you chose to come back and come here. And so now is the time to start waking up and to connect again to the trees and to the wind and to the earth and, and to the water and to all the spirits around us and to our hearts and connect to each other also. And I find that this time of awakening is so important. You know, now we suddenly are locked down in our homes uh, with the coronavirus and all this going on. And we have a wonderful possibility of opening up to each other and the world and meditate and, and, and have that space again. I just find it, it's the most important thing right now to start speaking up about these things. And, and here in Norway, at least, I know there's so many people who are afraid. I mean, they're afraid of being alone. They're afraid of being here, of course, that's natural, but also afraid of being who they are because it's so shameful in this country to be spiritual and it's still looked bad upon. It's looked down upon. You're stupid if you're spiritual. You're you're not a sane person. It's like you're wacko. You're woo-woo. You're, you're totally out there. If you, if you talk about spirit or you talk about connection or you talk about connecting to nature or you talk about all these things. So I find it quite hard in this day and age, but still there are so many people waking up and we start need to start talking about it too, not just waking up, you know, very quietly in secret and not tell anybody about it, but really opening up about it and talking about it and being open about it also shows other people that it's normal and it's okay. And you're like that. Great. That person is not like that. Great. What are your talents? What are your talents? We're different. That's how we are. You know, uh, the woods are also stronger when they're not just one type of tree. This is true. Then they very often get weak. So they need all these kind of tr different trees to make a strong wood, right? And that's the same with us. We need all the different kinds of people, the ones who are extremely sensitive, the ones who are not so sensitive, the ones who are specializing in math, the ones who are uh, super, super spiritual, the ones who are not spiritual at all. You know, like we have to start understanding that this is great and we need to accept each other the way we are and not look down upon people because they're different from you. Because if they had all been the same as you, this world would not exist. It wouldn't be okay because you, somebody else has talents that you don't and that makes the world go around. It, right? yeah, absolutely, so if, absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's funny because when I first was told about you, I was at the time I was going back and forth to Turkey and um, dealing with a lot of the, the stuff that was happening in Turkey. As you know, Turkey is my, is my love. It's my heart, yes. right? Yes. I actually took you there because I wanted you to see my heart. Uh, yeah, that was funny. <laughs> and uh, so I was going back and forth. And then, you know, uh, a, a mutual friend of ours, Milana Snow, uh, yes. told me about you. And when she 
told me about you. I, she, you know, everyone knows that when I'm in busy mode and I'm in like, I have a focus mode and I'm focusing on this project mode. I, it's very challenging to get in touch with me. And I kept seeing her messages popping up. And finally, I'm just like, okay, <laughs> yes. let me just respond to her. And she's telling me, you, there's this person you really have to know. I feel like I'm guided to bring you both together. And then I was just like, okay, you know, um, I've been in a relationship with a female recently. I've been in a relationship with a male a long time ago and other females. And I'm at a point right now where every relationship that I've been in, it was always... It wasn't, it wasn't showing up in this, this very expansive, amplifying love place. And it took a lot of work. And I'm going to say work because uh, that's what it was. And, and I realized in my life, it shouldn't be work. It should be an advancement of, of information and sharing and growing from the place of the heart not through arguing and bickering and all of these different things. And I never wanted to ever experience that again. And so I was like, no, I don't know what this is and what this is about. And then she told me you were a princess. And I grew up in a family, you know, with my aunt being world famous opera singer and my father being a contractor doing huge, you know, commercial spaces, friends with uh, people like Sammy Davis Jr. and all these different people. So I grew up all the time with that hoity-toity, dressed in suits, wear a tie and all this stuff. And I was just like, oh God, how is she going to handle me? I'm, I, I, I'm a very free spirit. I, I, you know, so I was like even more a little bit pulled away. And, it's, and what was interesting was when I met you, I, w- I had no idea even the fact that my mom told me when I was young that I was going to be with the princess of Norway and the fact that I said it to my friend Elephant and her father, who's one of my good friends, and Elephant, who's one of my good friends, while they were making soup and I was falling asleep from jet lag. I guess I blocked all that out. And what was... It- yeah, because you didn't remember that when we met at all. Not at all. Not at all. No. No. And when I was waiting to see like, okay, who's this girl going to show up? What's she going to show up? Like, what am I, you know, what this is going to be. And even the funny thing is when you first walked in the door, I'll never forget what you were wearing, um, a black kind of a sparkly skirt, a shirt that had most like a raven on it or something like this. Uh, is that correct? Two ravens, actually. Two ravens. Two ravens two, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> very good. Yeah. And you walked in the door and I remember seeing your eyes. And it was like looking at someone I've known before. And it scared me. Yeah, well, that's basically what I said straight as I saw you. I was like, I know you already. I saw you and I was like, oh God, I know this guy already. And I said, oh, I I know you already. And you were like, yes, we were destined to meet way before we were born. And I was just like rolling my eyes going like, oh God, another LA dude. Yeah, yeah. Which, which, which is so funny because I've heard you say this to people at dinner parties that we've been at and I have no recollection of that at all. So maybe there was like a, no. some kind of walk-in, I don't know, whatever it was, something took over me, but I just remember seeing your blue eyes and remembering you and almost seeing like, you know, when people say they have these, like, you know, when they have a situation that happens, like sometimes their life just goes on frozen. And when you, you know, that feeling. And it happened for a moment and it scared me because I was like, oh no, this is, what is this? You know? And because I was always afraid to engage into another loving relationship or even just to, to go in that direction. And it's interesting for me because a lot of times people will say to me, oh, why are you with her? Because you want status? Is it because she's the princess? Actually, to the contrary, which you know me, like yeah. that doesn't even interest me. <laughs> 
<laughs> and and also you you get a lot a lot of heat that you wouldn't have if you weren't with me. So that's just falling on its own unreasoning. Yeah, you know, people will say, you know, I'm dating you because I'm selling books. You know, my books will sell, but you don't make a lot of money from selling books, period. So I don't know what people think. And what people don't understand is that for me, being in any relationship with a woman who has children, that to me is like a reverence. So I wanted to make sure that I was really in love with you. And I wanted to make sure that I could understand and get along with your children because I've been with other women with children. And when the relationship broke up, the children and I were ripped apart. And that was a very big pain. And what I've always admired about you is what type of mother you are. I mean, you're always there for your kids. Like you never, your, your kids your, is your number one priority. And I find that to be a, a wonderful trait that I'm attracted to when I, think, when I think of a woman. I think of a woman as a, a woman who is independent in her own right, but also powerful, doesn't put up with nonsense like you, but also loves her children. And... Yeah. When you, when I remember saying to you, I want you to bring the kids, uh, to, to LA. I want to take you guys all out. I want to, you know, have fun with you. And we went to universal studios and with my family and I got us, you know, um, all into the park and everything. And we, you know, we had a time together and I, I, I remember feeling this feeling inside watching you and, seeing your children who are so unique in their personalities and so beautiful and, um, and watching how my family was with your, with your kids. And I said to myself, wow, like I, I, I can really like start opening my heart a little bit more to this situation. I wasn't immediate as you remember, but. Oh no. Why do you say it like that? <laughs> because you were. Yeah, it was. A, no, I think it's amazing how how our friendship developed and, and you know went over into deep love for each other. And and I I think you're amazing with the kids, and you're just so fulfilling in all ways. Like I remember telling you just before we got together, I was like, it's so unfair. You like tick all my boxes for like you're spiritual, you're fun, you can dance down the street, you can play. Yeah, you're the funniest guy I know. I can go in all directions with you. You're so smart and I can talk with on any subject with you. And then you don't know if you want to be with me. What is this about? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah, you know, what's really funny. So yeah, you took it slow. No, I, I, that's me. I'm a sl- I, I take things slow. And it's it, a lot of people who've been with me in the past, they can't handle that because I, I, I need to make sure I'm 100% right about what I'm feeling. I don't want it to be this kind of like fly by the moment, jump in something with you and then leave in six months because I can't handle it. And, 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 and the other thing too, I didn't realize what was going to come along with it. I was more concerned yeah. about, can I show up for you? Can I be there for you? Can I hold space for you as this powerful woman? Can I um, really be vulnerable with you? You know, and what I thought was interesting was that my family saw it before I saw it, you know, and they were like, oh, you're in love with her. And I'm like, what? No, we're friends. And they're like, oh, did you see the way she looks at you? She's in love with you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're friends. (laughs) 
They're like, well, if you're friends, then why do you guys look at each other that way? And I'm like, no, it's because I'm admiring her. She's an amazing mother. She's smart. She's got so much wisdom. And they're like, no. And then my nephew came in. He's like, you're in love with her. You know, and then my friends, (laughs) I was talking to friends of mine and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And they're like, look, just take a leap of faith, like jump into the relationship and see where it takes you. And I said, yeah, but she has children. I don't want to jump into something without knowing a hundred percent. Cause I don't want to be that guy who comes in your life. And like, I, I believe in long-term, I believe in like building, you know, my father was a, a contractor and he taught me that whenever you build something, it's about the foundation. When I just will go with my dad as a little boy and watch him build honey, I would watch hmm. how he paid more attention to the foundation than he cared about how the building was going to be. And he used to always say to me, if you build anything on a, on a weak foundation, it's going to fall. It's going to be, it's not going to work. And so I always use that, you know, when I was in the boy Scouts, I was like that. Whenever I was doing anything, it was like, what is the foundation here? What is this foundation? I wanted to make sure our foundation is strong. So if a wind would come, if a hurricane would come, if like, well, there's been both, hasn't there? Oh, there's been tornadoes, (laughs) darling. Tornadoes. Tornadoes. Oh my God, yeah. Yeah, just, it's, not, it's not been easy, to put it mildly. And I think maybe if you had known what you went into, uh, then you would have thought once more. But I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have changed anything. Because it's really hard. It's re- yeah, I know. It's really hard to be together with somebody of my status because you get so much, you get scrutiny from left, right and center. And if you look at any of the royals, they all get, very bad press all the time, people selling their stories, you know, like all these things. And, and it's just really sad. No, it, it, I mean, I, I, if I, and I don't, and, and to be honest, I don't understand why we have to, why people have to be so hard on us. It's love. Like, can't they just respect the fact that we've found each other and I want to be with you and they don't really have, I mean, we don't have, I don't have anything really to say in my country like that. And I mean, I love you. You love me. Can't we just have a nice time with everybody and everybody just accepts that instead of, you know, everybody hating on us and and being bad. And it's been the same with my ex-husband as well. Uh, The press was really bad with him all through the time when we were together. And also with my my. Um, my sister-in-law, Matamari, um, she was she also had really, really, really bad press when they got together, and it's really, really tough. You know, it's hard to stand in those storms when you're not used to being in the press like that, and and it's not you know not just Norwegian press. It's like press all over the world. It's like suddenly if as bad press is spread all over the world. It's not just like in your little town or in your little yeah. country. It's, and, and that's really tough, you know, just look at Harry and Meghan Markle, you know, like it's, it's also really hard for them. And can't we just like, in these times that we're in that right now, I just want to focus on like talking well about people and, and, you know, yeah, not being so mean to each other. Again, this opening of our hearts to each other, our compassion to each other and understanding of different choices that are not necessarily the same we would take ourselves, but it's like, okay, I accept that you take that, that choice. And, and I support you, even though I don't, might not agree with what you're doing. I support you because I see that it makes you happy. 
You know, like, why don't we take that approach to each other? I've never understood that. You know what? You just brought emotions in me because, uh, you know, before I met your ex-husband, I don't want to start crying right now. um, Yeah. I had dreams about him, you know? And um, I'm a type of person who likes to always, like whatever relationship I've ever been in, I've always been friends with all of my exes, um, still to this day, except for one, of course, but that's his own choice, you know? But so I was really excited about meeting Ari. And um, Mm -hmm. he was was coming in my dreams and talking to me. And uh, I remember- I remember you talking about that. Yeah, and then I remember when I first met him, and we started talking. We gave each other a hug. And he said to me, I've been waiting for you. And I was like, I've been waiting for yeah, you. And, and, he, and he has also, you know, like he saw you in his dreams even before him and I split up uh, now, almost four years ago. And, and, and he said that you're, you're going to be with a, a spiritual leader in the world. I just know you are. And so... When you came into my life and I told him about you and, and once he met you and talked to you, he, was, he also said, he's a genius, he's amazing and I'm so happy you found him and that, that you're with him. And, you know, and I, I knew even before we split up that, that you would find him, he said. So, yeah. yeah. And, I remember and, him saying, and, and you both got on really well, which is, was also very nice. Oh, he's amazing. He's amazing. I remember complimenting yeah. him on his clothes and then on, on his creativity and the way he thinks. And he's just, he's just such a genius, you know? And I, and I, and I, when I, when I was looking at him and talking to him, I didn't want to leave. I don't know if you remember, but I was like, yeah, you were like, we, we have, have to, to go somewhere. Three more hours. I do remember. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I was like, Ari, <laughs> we don't want to like leave each other. He's like, no, 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 we definitely don't. And, but one thing he said to me was about the media, you know, he said, I like how you've been handling things. He's like, because I hope you get ready for what's coming. And I go, what do you mean? And he said, you know, they're going to do this for, you know, a very long time and it wears you down after a while. And I just started, you know, I just remember the, you know, just the look in his eyes and, you know, he's such a kind soul, you know, and it's, it's yeah. so unfortunate that we lost him. I mean, yeah. you know, um, I, you know, I, yeah. I, I, it's sad. I want the best for his family and his his mom, you know, I was really sad about that. You know, losing a child is, is never easy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm such a crybaby. I don't just pull my emotions in for a second. But um, that was really hard. You know, um, that was a really hard time because um, I spent so much wanting to be in his life and be his friend and spend more time with him after that day that we stayed together. And it, it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, and we look at now and people... You know, we don't have time on the planet for for hate anymore. We don't have time for gossip. We don't have time no, exactly. for these things because you never know where someone is at. You never know how long someone has on the planet. You know, when I'm with yeah. you, I I, I want to. That's why I, I feel like I'm I'm milking every moment with you. You know, like when we're walking in nature, I'm looking at how the light hits your hair, the way you speak. I like to sit and like listen to the way you breathe. I like to watch your your characteristics and when your little girl comes out and, you know, like all the many sides of you that I love. And but just the moments that we can never capture. I want to juice it and milk it for everything that it is. 
because we know. Yeah, that's something I really learned after Ari's passing as well that that we don't know the last time we are with someone. And we always need to be with someone as intensely as though it was the last time we were with them. Yeah. That is so true. And and I have no more time for talking bad about people. I just want to be there for people and make them evolve. And if people don't want to evolve, then that's their choice. And I have to move to somebody who does because we need to to change this planet right now and to start thinking and doing and being from a different space and a different place, both within ourselves and the way we perceive the world and Mother Earth and how we treat her. Yeah. And how we treat each other. And it starts, it doesn't start with everybody else being nice to everybody else. It starts with you. It starts with you stopping talking bad about people. It starts with with you not being on the, you know, if your friends are like very, very negative always and just taking everything thing down, like the whole world, oh, we're in a horrible situation, da, 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 everything is so bad, 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 bad. And my guy is so bad, 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 or my woman is so bad, 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 bad. You know, all these things that we, we accept that we do all the time, t- taking each other down, um, making this world, uh, uh, a worse place and not a better place. You know, what, what is good about talking bad about anybody? And what does that actually achieve? It achieves you being stuck in the place where you already were or even going backwards into being even more negative and, and thinking that it's okay for you to look down at other people or thinking this or that instead of coming out of the relationship that you're not happy with and actually making a life for yourself. For example, changing, opening up, or opening up to the man that you don't you don't recognize anymore, or you're the, that you're talking about 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 your with your girlfriends or or friends in general, and changing your life with that person instead, and doing something about it instead of just talking bad about them and coming back and not doing anything about it. Like this is a planet of action. Like we have to take action and actually do something. We have to change. We have to talk. We have to you know, make peace with people or at least reach out a hand for people to be able to take it. And then it's their choice to take it or not, but still make a a positive statement in the world so that it's a possibility of change at least and not locking down into fear, into, into bereavement, into negativity, into jealousy, into all these things that we're so good at meeting at. You know, poor me, this guy did this to me, or this woman did this to me, or that person did this to me, and my boss did this to me, da 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 You know, okay, what are you doing about it? What what can you do to change? How can you meet, meet that in you in a different way? And this, this is so important, I find, because I've found with so many students of mine who have, and myself too, that when you change, like when you look within and you see, okay, so why do I accept this person treating me in this way? If it's a boss, for example, why do I accept that? And then you start working with your triggers. You, oh, it's from my childhood where my mom or dad or teacher or whoever it was did this and this to me. And then, oh, I can release this fear of mine for myself being too much or too clever or too this. And you've let yourself 
have people walking all over you so that, so that you wouldn't be uh, looked upon as smart because that wasn't allowed in your family. For example, this is just one example of a million, okay? So don't, don't get mad at me for not saying your, your reason, but it's like all these different reasons that we have for putting ourselves in these teaching positions because that's what I find it is. It's a, we put ourselves in all these different teaching positions so that we can evolve. So why do you have that horrible boss? Well, it's because you maybe should start standing up for yourself or when you release that fear in you or that that trauma in you from your childhood or whatever it is that has made you be in that space. When you release that, suddenly that situation changes. And although you're in the same space, you're in the same work with the same boss because you change within that the person, your boss changed towards you and everything around you changes too. Or you find out that this is seriously not where I want to be and you have to change where you want to be because this person is not treating you well. So either or, you either get, you get a new life in, in both scenarios because you change something within you. And that's why I always say that the world is changing from the perspective of yourself. You have to change and then your world changes. And when your world changes and you attract new people, new possibilities, new ways of being, then, then the world starts changing because you start being an example that that change is possible and then people see that that's possible. And then you start being the person you're supposed to be in this world and other people change with it. And so we get the positive effect going. But if we continue being in this negative chit-chat, talking behind people's back and like, oh, I, I just hate my job. I just hate my life. I just hate this, this, this. Then we won't evolve. And everybody has to be on deck right now, evolving, because otherwise this world won't change. We need people. We need you. We need everybody on deck. Absolutely. You know, one of my favorite quotes from Einstein, um, Albert Einstein, is no problem can be solved from the same level of consciousness that created it. Yeah. And, and it's like, so we, what we forget as human beings and, and what I love about you so much too, uh, I mean, everyone's going to hear me say, I love you so much because I just can never stop saying it. And she knows <laughs> oh, I say I it to too, you babe. all the time. So it doesn't matter. It's just, it's just yeah. my soppy self, but you know, really what it comes down to is that, you know, um, when we look at humanity, right, human beings thrive to find some level of norm, what they think is norm. Right. And when we go off yeah. of Einstein's, you know, um, what he said is that you can't really change anything from the same consciousness. That means that in order for yeah. evolution to even happen, consciousness has to keep evolving. And it doesn't evolve when you're judging, when you're complaining, when you're going into any of these uh, ideas that you feel have to be constant to make you feel safe. You know, and you, I, I, when I see you, darling, what I love about you is that anytime someone tries to put you in a box, you know, and like my nieces love it too. They, they love watching you because <laughs> they love the, they love that side of you that there's a moment someone tries to box you is the moment you start taking up, taking the box apart. And you're like, I got out. I got out. I got out. I got out. You see, I'm out. Look at, look at me. I'm out. I figured it out how to get out of the box. I figured it out. I figured out how to get out of the box, you know? And <laughs> <laughs> I think that's also why people get very frustrated with me because I don't, I don't get controlled. Like I'm supposed to be in this and this and this box that people want me to be in. 
Uh, I've never recognized those boxes. I've never been in those boxes. I've never wanted to be in a box. And uh, But because I'm a princess, I'm supposed to be, you know, prim and proper. I'm supposed to marry a person who's like this. I'm supposed to have this kind of job. I'm supposed to be, you know, interested in these kind of things. And I'm supposed to be a chit-chatter, you know, like very superficial conversations. Now, I'm not any of those things. And I've never fit into that box. And it's been really hard for me, like during my teens and 20s, when I really tried to fit in and I let go of everything that was me. And I just tried to be this very, very nice, 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 nice girl that was really unhappy. But I was really nice to everyone. I was really, really, really nice, you know, like with a smile on my face all the time and like, always nice to everybody all the time, just really unhappy inside and didn't have any feelings because I'd cut them all off because I couldn't be me. And if I couldn't be me, who was I? You know, I was very confused and felt very lonely, not just because I was a princess, but also because I didn't connect with anybody on a level that was me because I was just really nice all the time to everyone. Yeah. And then I... Yeah. And then, and so I went into that space and then, and then after I started finding myself again in my twenties and I broke out and I didn't even have my teenage revolt, you know, like my dad always said that don't let any, any of your children have a 24 year revolt that was supposed to be in your teens like you did, you know, cause I, when I was 24, I had my revolt <laughs> and they were like, Oh God. Uh, so uh, so they, they're like, just let your kids like get it all out in their teens. Don't, don't do it in your twenties. It's not good. And, um, it was very funny. And, um, so, but I've always had a very close relationship, uh, to my parents and, and they don't necessarily agree with what I do and what I say and who I am, but they accept and love me anyway, which I think is amazing, uh, when they have the position in society that they have. And really is such a lesson for all parents because there are so many parents judgmental of their children not choosing the path that they wanted for their kids, which they think is the best for them. You know, there's so many parents who are like, you should choose this. You should, you know, keep the family values. You should do this, 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 and have this and this and this education, you know. And maybe that person is not at all an economist, for example, and is an artist instead and is not allowed to do art uh, and always bad conscience if he or she is doing art, for example. And they would always say, oh, art is nothing. You know, you cannot live off art. You have to get a proper education. And there are so many parents who think that they know best instead of listening to their kids and actually unfolding their passion and their true spirit. You know, like unfold your kids, like open the package up layer by layer and really see who your kids are and really support them from their perspective. Because you can do so much better than tearing somebody down like that and not giving them any self-confidence. Because that's basically what you do when you say that, oh, what you are, that's not really well, good in the world. You know, you can't, that's not, seriously, you can't do anything with your talents. Are you kidding me? No, mm -mm. this is your talents. These are your talents. You know, these, these are, this is the road you're supposed to take. And then, so if you don't take that road, you have bad conscience, you feel shame, you know, like for everything that you are. And so why don't parents like open the bundle that they actually receive, which is your child day by day and see what amazing things live within them and how they can be our teachers. I've learned so much from my kids. Like 
every step of the way, like <laughs> every trauma, yes. like every trauma I've had, you know, has, has been like, oh, when I was three, I had this trauma and suddenly I remember the trauma because it's the same situation they're in and I can, I can meet them in a different way and I can heal my trauma from when I was three because when I was three, because I can meet them in a different way and actually be there for them and therefore be there for my inner child as well. And so in that way, you can heal yourself through your child and what they meet, what challenges they meet, you know, and heal whatever they meet in your life when you have had a, tra a trauma at some point, which has been so fulfilling and amazing for me when you see that perspective of motherhood. Yeah. It's so incredible. Yeah. I love how when we're at home, you know, the house is women's lib. Yes. You know, <laughs> you know, I just kind of like quiet myself and like, you know, let the girls speak and hear what they have to say. But I love your, I love your, your girls, you know, they're so unique and different and, and there's so much to be learned for me as a man. I think, I don't think you could be with a man who didn't have such a respect for women because, you know, yeah. because in, on, in home, how we have that freedom of speech. I really love that. And I really also love yeah. your parents. Your parents are amazing. I love, I love how dad makes me laugh at everything because he reminds me so much of myself and so in the way he is, his humor is. And I love how mom pays attention to all the details of things and the etiquette. I love the etiquette. Yes. <laughs> yes. You understand, Marta? You understand yes. the etiquette? Yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. You, you become more proper than, than me when we are in the house. So yes. And you, you fix me and like go like, Marta, seriously? Don't, don't you need to do like this? And don't you need to get your elbow off the table? And, you know, yeah. So that's very funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You're very funny. Like, but also what I love is, you know, with the kids is that to listen to their wisdom. I think people don't listen to kids' wisdom enough. Mm -hmm. I think we think that we are so wise that we need to teach the kids, but we don't stop and listen to their wisdom and actually take it in. And when the kids start knowing that you start taking their wisdom in, they come with more. And it's so fascinating. Like my kids are my biggest teachers and they say so many wise things and they, they see the world in a perspective that is incredible. They don't have the, you know, they don't have the same norm as we do. You know, we are as grown-ups, locked into certain agendas or ways that the world works, you know. Although we're kind of people say that we're outside the box, but we're still, you know, like the world is like this. And we also have that kind of, of, of perception of how things work in the world and how things are. But the kids don't see it like that. And it's so open and it's so curious the way they, they look at the world and, and perceive it and the choices they make and, and the way they see no limitations whatsoever. They, they just can go out there and because of the internet and they use that completely different than our generation does. And they just, they can from such an early age just be with people from all over the world. They don't have the limitation of one country. Like, and like that I'm from Norway, they're world citizens because of the internet. You know, they have friends from all over the world that they haven't met, yeah. um, that they talk to and that they, you know, that they're with. And I think that is such a fascinating way of being in the world that there are the, there are no limitations. You can have friends from Africa, you can have friends from China, you can have friends from Australia or India or America or Norway, and it doesn't matter. 
we're all people. And as long as we're, you know, rooting for each other and, and happy for each other and supporting each other and passionate for, and about the same things, we have a connection and, and we can strive together and, you know, help, let's help each other. What I find is really interesting though with these youngsters is, um, because girls are usually like, oh, you can't be with me. I don't like you. You're, you're bad. Okay. You can be with me. Yeah. You know, like I'm cool. You're not kind of thing. But, but I find that on the internet today, like, and they support each other. They like go in these groups and that's like, yeah, let's work together as collabs and, and collaborate on, on, on getting more likes and all this. And I'll, I'll, I'll root for you and you'll root for me and I'll go forward and, and forward your name and you forward mine and, you know, and, and all these things, like, it's just so amazing. And then they cut out the people that don't do that, but just self-absorb in whatever I'm so cool kind of thing. And they don't want to have anything to do with them. And, and I find that very fascinating because this is how we thrive. This is a new way of getting each other forward that they actually understand how we can grow. It's not just me, 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 and me, me, me. It's us together. We can grow together. Absolutely. And I make you grow, you grow, me grow, and then we grow together instead of just me growing as much as possible. Because that doesn't help anybody else. No, I, you know, I, and I, I find that so fascinating. I, what I find fascinating about your girls is how honestly blunt they are. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I'll never forget. We were in the car uh, at our vacation place in, in the Hamptons, and we're driving on the road. And they started. They started like almost. I, I thought it was like I was in the Inquisition. They were like asking yeah. questions about our relationship, and like, and they found out that we were dating before, way before they thought. You know, and they're like, you guys are liars. You've been hiding this relationship this whole entire time. And like the way they said it, or like when we were in Hawaii and, and, and you and I are listening to country music. I have to explain that because people get angry because I like to my kids. I don't usually like to my kids, just so that that said. And you don't either. We're very honest with the yes, kids. Yes, very much. But it was because, because uh, as you all know, who have uh, kids and meeting a new boyfriend is not always easy. And therefore, I didn't say that it was my boyfriend when they met him the first time. Uh, I said that he was a friend of mine and we went out to uh, Universal Studios and had an amazing time and they all liked him very much. And then I said that he was my boyfriend. So just calm everybody's horses and please don't criticize me for lying to my kids or criticize Sherman Durek because we don't usually we don't lie, at all lie to our kids. kids. No. No, we're very honest with the kids. We tell them everything, but, yeah. But that one day, I did lie to them so that they would get a neutral perspective of him and so that they actually wanted to see him and, and, and got to see him without having these... Labels. Negative thoughts. Yeah, labels, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. we, we, both, we both talked about that. We wanted to make sure that they had a neutral perspective of, of what it was like to be with me and my family and so forth without them thinking, oh, this is my mom's boyfriend. Let me look at him this way. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. but I love it when we yeah. were in the car so, in Hawaii and playing yeah. country music and you and I are singing all of our songs like ABBA and all our stuff and you and I are like kids <laughs> and then I go yeah. to put on Bjork and you and I are singing Bjork. You remember? <laughs> and then yes. we were going to put another song on and they're like, ah, Stop it. <laughs> you guys, you're killing us. This music is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, you're the worst DJs. You're the worst I'm sure DJs. I'm all parents have been through this. 
I'm, I'm sure all parents have been through this, this uh, period. But still, yes, we have the worst uh, taste in music, that's for sure. They're like, not country again. Like, give us, <laughs> they're like, give us the, the, we're in charge now. Give us the, the music. <laughs> but I, you know, it's those moments in life that just touch you, you know? Because I just laugh, you know? We just laugh, you and I. And I, I love that. So I, wanna, I just wanted you to share what it was like for you when you came into my family. What was that like for you? Oh, so, so uh, obviously my family is... Um, I mean, we have a very loving family. My family is very loving. And it's very, a lot of humor. Uh, we laugh a lot. A lot, a lot. Yes, but we but we don't talk about so many spiritual things. Like that's not like our common ground kind of thing. No. Um, but when I came into your family, it was a bit like coming to Harry Potter world, uh, where you know there's spirits here and there and everywhere, and we're talking about spiritual things all the time. And there's loads of humor in your family as well, and there's honesty and. And so much wisdom coming out of everybody's mouths all the time, and and cheekiness and directness, and you can go in all directions. There's no limits. You can just talk about anything, and everybody answers and get excited and um, into it. And I, I I just loved your family, all your family members from the day I came into your family, because of the honesty and directness and just straight out heart that is in your family. It's, it's so touching and it's so wonderful to be part of. And you have so wise, such wise, wonderful uh, family members around you, like your nieces and nephew and your sisters. And I just love all of them. It's like coming home also. And it's so much fun because we go like, there's so much spiritual things going on all the time of, of, new new ideas and new ways and new powers and exploring our, ourselves and others and, and evolving and you know like yeah there's no hiding and that's great yeah there's no hiding in in, in my family like if you try to hide some yeah. aspect of yourself or you're trying to not deal with something that you need to pull you need to deal with shadow some part of your shadow that you're not bringing to the light it might yeah they're going to call you out. It, it's just, it's, I, I love like how my family will be like, okay, we're all going to do a meditation now. Okay. We're all going to, we're all going to like do healing stuff. Yeah. Oh, we're going to do, we're going to all talk about, you know, what's going on in the world or like things that we can do to help people or like, you know, it's, it's, it's mm. always, let's, let's improve our powers together. Okay. Yeah. We need to increase <laughs> our psychic okay. abilities, everybody. So here's what we're going to do today. <laughs> yes. And then, then you get like my nephew and be like, no, I want to do the animal spirit where we find our animal spirits and go with them and like yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> it's really yeah it's really cool I, but then on the other hand you have like the playful side which i also love is like we go to escape rooms together and and like uh, oh that was so funny the first time we went to escape rooms you didn't want to come at all because it was so are you really you gonna tell the story you really gonna tell the story <laughs> okay go ahead go ahead go ahead <laughs> You already started. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> now go ahead, my love. Go ahead. There you go. Okay. Yeah, um, because I always tell you not to tell too much, so I don't, uh, so I don't know if this is like 
going. No, it's fine. Um, it's fine. Anyway, it's fine. I'm going to tell it anyway, whatever you say. Yeah. So in the beginning, so escape rooms, if you haven't experienced escape room, is the most amazing, the most amazing way to be together. Because it's like you come into a room and you're supposed to get out of it. It's locked, but you have to find clues and codes and things in the room. Um, and you have to work together and new rooms open when you find all the clues in one room, one room, another room opens and another room opens and you have to find more and more clues and, and one person has to be in one room and then in another room and you have to work together to get these different clues going and then in the end you come out before the time is up. It's amazing. Anyway, so the first time I was invited, you know, to be, be with all the the whole family was at, at an escape room and I, and I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. I would love to go to one. You know, I hadn't been to one before. And you were like, um, oh God, you know, I, you know, my powers, I would just fix that as soon as I walk in the door, I would understand the whole thing. So I don't think that, you know, that'll be any fun for me. I don't think I want to go. I'm like, come on, it'll be fun. Seriously, your nephew really wants us to go, you know. And um, let's go, even though you think that. Let's go. So I have to drag you along. Oh my God, you did. it's so hard. You did. Yeah. And then and I was like, oh God, stop being so high on yourself. It'll be great. Let's have fun. Get you a little child out. You That's know? what I love like, about no, you because you always take the piss out of me. You always take the piss out of me. I could never get away with anything with you. Like, no, you can't get away I, with anything. I can't anything. even hide things from you. You see through, right yeah. through me. But it, it's yes, and I, I love do. it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yes. And then and then we came to the escape room. And uh, and he said, oh, I'll be so bored that I won't like, it'll be so boring. You guys won't be able to do anything. I'll have to fix all the different codes and all the different things and all this stuff. I told the guy who was running it. Remember I told the guy who was working there? I'm like, you know, they dragged me here, you know, and... <laughs> So like, so literally, I mean, we're going to be through this in like five minutes because I'm going to figure everything out. So yeah. I'll do it anyway because my nephew okay. wants to do it. Talking about being high on yourself. Yes. Anyway, we get in there and it's really hard. And we have to like, all of us have to work together. <laughs> wait, and the one wait, you forgot something, away. babe. You forgot something. Oh, okay. We walk what? in. Okay, first of all, I had yeah. no idea what this place was going to be like. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and I love that you were taking the piss out of me. And I just, you know, every time you do that, I just go along with whatever you say, because I know you're right anyway. <laughs> and then this is just so you know, women are always right. So just go along with it. But the thing yeah. is literally we walk in the room. I'm like, like, Ugh, God, I'm gonna figure this out. And we walk in and there's a, a London phone booth. <laughs> yes. There is a some kind of clown thing with a cast register and some decorations with clown pictures on the wall. And I, I, do you remember me looking at you? And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I'm like, what is this? What is this room? What is this? <laughs> I'm like, and then they but lock anyway, us in. I, and I'm like, what yeah, are they doing? This is like, ridiculous. <laughs> Yes. And then once we got going, you were the craziest of all of us. You were like running through. They're like, you do this, you do that, throw it there, and you cycle. Because there was a bicycle, you had to cycle at a certain distance to get to a certain point or something. You had to roll around in another room or whatever it was. And you were like, cycle! Okay, you, Lucas, go to this room. Da -da -da, go to there. Go to that. Do this, do that. And we were all like running around the place. And you were like totally, totally enjoying yourself. Not figuring out all the things at all. And then we all did it together, which was amazing. And we all figured out we were really bad in math. Yeah, well, you don't want to hear something really funny is the fact, the funny thing to me was 
I was like, okay, I got this. I figured it out. I know what, okay, I got what's going on. Like the pictures are now moving. Like I had to find that emblem and I had to put it on the fireplace. And then the, 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 yeah. the pictures started moving with the two brothers shooting each other. And then you had to figure out like, yeah. you know, but it, okay, with, people won't understand what you're on about, but anyway, yeah. Okay. But what I'm saying is what I thought was really interesting. What I learned from that experience, this is what I'm getting to, uh, bottom lining it is that I couldn't do it by myself. Yes, exactly. And, and you, you can't do it by yourself. And it was such a, it was such a humbling experience for me because you looked at me and you're like, you're like, you can't do this by yourself. And I'm like, yes, of course I can. Yeah. I, I can do this. I got this. And then you realize you actually can't. You have to, like, everyone has to participate and be a part of it. And I thought yeah. that was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It's so amazing. And it's so like... Uh, building of all our characters and, and family vibe and everything. It's so much fun. Um, and yeah, but that's also, you know, like we're, we're not in this world alone. I think that's so important for everyone to understand because we, we learn to be so independent and so, you know, disconnected from others because we're so hurt from, from different experiences in our life that we don't trust anybody else for our most important things in our lives, you know? And so all our, you know, all the things that we have struggled with or where we have been left alone come up in us whenever there's a really important thing in your life and you don't go to people in case that will happen again. And so we end up just doing things by ourselves because then we know that at least we won't get hurt by in that way again. Although it hurts because you're alone and you feel the loneliness, but you think, oh, I've done this so many times now, I might as well. And then we forget that when people are actually there for us and you don't say yes for, to get help and to, to receive the love from other people that you can. Because right now you're in a different situation than you were at the time, for example, when you were little and your parents weren't there for you or your teacher weren't there for you or your friends weren't there for you. But now maybe you have different friends that are actually supportive of you, but you still hold on to the old experience of the trauma that you had and therefore you think or your body is still in lockdown and think that you can't have that love and that support because you didn't have it back then. While in reality, you do. And because you don't open up, you don't feel that love from all the people around you that now support you and are there for you. So yes, that was an amazing teaching for you as well. Definitely. You know what I love about you? And I know we have to wrap it up soon, but I love how being in a relationship with you makes me a, b- a better person because we all, we don't, we don't go into these like drawn out fights and bickering and, you know, all this stuff. Like we really, I, I love the fact that we look at each other's trigger. Like we look at our triggers, you know, we, yeah. we find ways to, to support each other when we get angry, when we get upset, you know, and, yeah. uh, I, I, I remember I remember saying to myself, the next relationship that I get into, I'm going to to really hold space in a way that I've never held space for someone. It's 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 wonderful. I I, I love holding space for you. It, it has changed me in such a way to be able to see how it can be done for us men to evolve and hold and hold space in relationships and not go into this like you're hurting me. Like one of the greatest things I learned in a relationship was in something that, you know, you taught me and something that I've learned in our interactions with each other is that 
you're not in my life to put me down. You're not in my life to, to when you're telling me something to change or to fix yeah. in myself, uh, yeah. to, uh, if I say fix or elevate, you know, um, in myself, enhance, yeah. you're not telling it to me because you're trying to hurt me. You're telling it to me because yes. you want to help me to overcome weaknesses or insecurities or places inside of myself where I'm afraid, you know, and yes. I, I love that. I really do. I love that about you. Yeah, and I, I love the fact that that you know that I trust you so much in the way you see me, and that you you like you say that you want me to grow, and that you see my you know you see how I can grow, and how I trust that you see that potential that lies there, and you want me to get there. And I find that is such a new experience and amazing to be part of. You know, like. And whenever we like have disagreements, which is natural in any relationship, you know, uh, how we both, I must say that you're a bit better than, uh, at this than me, but you really go into your, and, and look at your triggers straight away and like, and take them and evolve and see where they come from. And then the amazing thing with that, I just have to say, is when we have a, a quarrel and you like suddenly fire at me and I have no idea why you're firing at me and you're like, okay, I have to look at this trigger because obviously I have a trigger here. And then you go, you leave the room or you just sit there and, and you go deep inside and find the trigger of whatever trauma is causing you to react and, and like lash out uh, when I didn't mean a certain, I didn't even know that I was doing it, you know? And this is such a thing in your every relationship. And then you come back and you're like, oh, I understand why I reacted like that now. And really take responsibility for your, for your emotions and say it's from a trauma from whatever it is, from my mom, from my dad, from my stepmom, whatever. And, it's, and this and this happened and that's why I reacted this way. So when you say that, it, it reminds me of that. And that's why I lashed out of you. It wasn't really you. It was my trauma that was my hook for my trauma that was like, like tugging at me. And then when, when you take that action, then I can, I can go and say, then I evolve too because then I'm like, but what he actually reacted on was that I... I said that he should not be as happy because he should do this and this and this, for example, that I was a should there or there was something that I put you down on at the same time. And then I was like, oh, maybe I do, I do do that a lot. Like I will say, yes, but you have to remember that blah, 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 you know, and not just have you be happy, happy, happy kind of thing, but like, yes, but you, that you can be happy to a certain extent. Da, 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 and, and maybe I do that to my kids. Maybe, and then I suddenly start realizing how my limitations come out as well. So I grow too. I can see my limitations suddenly. But if you had just snapped at me and just gone away, leaving me with that snap or that snapping, then, then I would be also in my like, huh, I don't know what he reacted to. That was horrible. You know, like, I don't know what that was. I'm right. You know, like, I don't know. And then the next time when that would happen, we would still have a, we would have a wound there that got deeper every time we got to that point. And then there's no resolution. But when, it, when I'm with you, it's like this dance where, where you take a step and then it goes back to me and I can take my step and then you can take your step and then that makes me take my step and then I see something because you see something and it, and it's this evolution of emotional understanding and comprehension and, and transformation that I find is so exciting and amazing to be part of with you. Yeah, I definitely would say it's the Argentinian tango. 
Yes. It really is. It, I mean, I, I really have found in our relationship that it's a beautiful tango, you know? It's that it's what I see, what I, what I, what I loved about dancing. And I used to do a lot of ballroom dancing growing up um, at this place called Soy Luna in San Francisco. And I used to, I was their entertainment. I used to do all the salsa and the merengue and all that stuff. And literally dancing is like that to me. It's like, you can't, if you're going to dance with a partner, you have to understand your partner. You have to understand, you know, the way they're going to move and you have to make space for them to move so that they can get their steps in so that it actually becomes this beautiful, cohesive movement. And you actually begin to create this beautiful masterpiece of, 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 of dance and expression. And, yeah. and that's what I feel with you. I, 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 I feel that with you. And I think that it really is a great model for other people to, to really step into, especially for men. Because we, we tend to get hurt and then we, we shut down or we lash out or we try to paint you as our mom. And that's something I was going to yeah, do. Or you, or you go like, stop, this is my territory. This, you can't like say anything. This is my territory. I know this, you know? And you, and you don't open up the space for your woman to speak her wisdom, although it's not her territory. It might be a, a, a conception or a, a new way of seeing things that you haven't seen, although it's your territory. You know, yeah. like we always need to learn from each other. And I think to have that openness that, you know, my wife or my man can't teach me anything, then you really come to a, a bad place in your relationship that you always have to like when, yeah, I think it's so important to, at least for me, I can't say for anybody else, but for me, it's really important to see your wisdom and to be able to acknowledge you you know, and, and to really um, be there for you and with an open heart and I, that I can always grow and you're there because I've chosen you as a partner to grow with. I also trust your your wisdom. Yeah, I, as, as I do yours, my love. I love holding space for you in all of your glory and all of your beauty and all of your wisdom, all of your grace, all of your vulnerability for whatever it is. I'm so happy to be able to hold that space for you. Likewise, babe. Yeah. And then, and I, and, and I really appreciate that. And I think it's amazing to be, to have that kind of relationship here on this planet, to be honest. I do. Too. It's, it's very, yeah. And the fact that you it's like wonderful. country music and, I, and Disney, I mean, come on, I, I hit the jackpot. to be honest my kids have taught me to learn disney or like disney and uh, all the things that are in disney i love it i love it i love that you and star wars and star wars and star wars Wars. Wars. love star wars love star wars and um and also like uh, that we can have so much fun together and laugh together and be silly together and like just do really yeah, really silly t- things sometimes and, and, you know, be goofy and and then really serious. And yeah, it's amazing to have met you. And it's amazing. To feel that kind of connection. Yeah, uh, I'm... I'm completely... I'm really happy for that. And, and because of that, I don't care what other people think about us or whether they like it or not. But seriously, you know, I always say that when somebody points at somebody else... If you put your finger out pointing at somebody else right now, there's always three fingers on your hand pointing back at you. So whatever you're seeing in other people, whether it's their amazingness and their great light and their wisdom, whatever it is, there's still three fingers back at you, whether it's their 
how bad they are and how horrible they are and that should never be like this. Why is that triggering you? What is it within you? There's always three fingers going back at you when you point at somebody else. Absolutely. It's always something to do with you. And so that's also so important to, to remember, I find. Absolutely. And, you know, I really appreciate you, but I, I really appreciate you honoring, like being open to my chivalrous ways as a man and not taking it as me trying to be, you know, uh, some kind of, you know, male chauvinist guy because I like to open doors for you and bring you, you know, you know, that energy of like always just being there and, and acknowledging you. You know, I think we lose that in today's culture and I don't ever want to lose that. And I'm really happy you're open to it. Yeah, I mean, if you had met me at an earlier stage, I would earlier stage, I would be like, what are you doing? And don't you think that I can take care of myself? Excuse me very much. You're putting me down right now by opening the door for me or thinking that I can't carry my bag by myself. Um, but then I've understood and learned to receive. And that, I think, is also something that we have to learn these days, not to be so hard on ourselves for having to do everything ourselves, but can actually ask for help. And I've started by like people saying, do you want me to carry your bag? And as they're like, all of me was going like, no, 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 no. And I would be like, yes, thank you very much. Like receiving, because it's so important to receive and all these different small things the gestures you do really remind me of, of the love you have for me. And it really makes me feel loved. Um, so I'm really grateful for all those small things that you do like that. What's your last message to everyone before we wrap it up? My last message to everyone right now would be that we all have a possibility of sharing our light with the world and there's nobody else but you that can share your light because you're unique. There's nobody else who has your frequency, who has exactly your talents or passions in life. And you're the only one who can share them, who can be the best version of you. So what I think is really important is that you and we all start shining our light into the world and be the people we are supposed to be at our highest potential and really cast away everything in our way, our fear, everybody putting us down, everything we've learned that we're not supposed to be this or that, but really start shining and showing up for ourselves and everybody else and start showing the world who we are so that everybody can start doing that and then make the world change. Mm, beautifully said, my love. Beautifully said. Uh, what's the name of your book to let everyone know about your book and where they can get it? So my book is called, <laughs> just one moment, that came a bit quick. It's called The Spiritual uh, Password. Yes, that's what it's called. Thank you. <laughs> I was totally in a different like part of my brain right now. Um, so yes, the English version of the book is called The Spiritual Password. It's on Hay House Publishing. Yeah, beautiful. And how can people get in touch with you? How can they, can they follow you? How can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so you can get uh, in contact with me on Instagram at I am Martha Louise. Um, I answer DMs and stuff there. And that's basically it because I'm not on Facebook so much. 
Yeah, and if you go to her Instagram page, Princess Martha Louise, she never uses it. So it's just kind of like you just following, but it'll never move. It'll never go anywhere. Yeah. No, it's more my official page for when I do, yeah, official things and stuff. But I use much more my I am Martha Louise. But because of my ex passing, uh, Ari passing, unfortunately, this Christmas, I, I haven't been active on it because I've been focused on my kids yeah. and going through healing all the healing after it was passing yes with all of us which has been the hardest time of my life yeah yeah but we're slowly finding our feet well i was, I was happy that i was there i'm glad that god put me uh, there with you yeah. and the family at that, that time that was incredible that you were there it was yeah that was just planned for sure it was amazing that you were there i love yeah. you so much my love I love you. I love you too. From the moon and stars and the sun and the sky. You are my heart, my soul, everything. And I'm so happy that everyone in the tribe got to to listen to the most amazing, amazing, beautiful, best friend, just my twin flame, just to see how amazing you are and how I, the, the light that I see every time I look at you. I, I'm so honored that you came on Ancient Wisdom today for today's share sharing your knowledge and your wisdom. I never can get enough of your wisdom. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful for you being on this planet. Grateful. Um, so happy to be here. Um, and thank you for having me on your podcast. And, and I love all of you in the tribe as well. And I'm so honored to be here. And I'm so happy to be with you. Yeah, me too, my love. Me too. I really enjoyed the conversation with my girlfriend because I'm really glad that she had the ability to share a lot of her feelings. I didn't want to speak so much in the interview with her because I feel like it's important for us to hear her wisdom and 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 just hear her feelings and her thoughts come through un, un you know uninterrupted. And I think that um, was something that I was really focusing on. But what I do love about a lot of her story is how she was raised in a way where she went to a school where she was able to integrate with other kids and be able to see herself with these other children and going to these schools and being a part of her society, even though she was born in the royal family, is a very humbling uh, thing and also creates a form of humility, which allows you to be able to see and relate to the people around you, even though, of course, there were press and different things in her home and things that she experienced. I think it's very um, commendable for her parents to create that space for her to be able to have that interaction, you know, so that way she doesn't recognize the, the difference and she actually treats people with the kindness and respect and love instead of looking at people from a very pompous and, you know, regal, like I'm better than you attitude, which I think is important. And I think the fact that, you know, Norway was not brought in to that aristoc uh, aristocracy way that they were able to really relate because one of the things I do love uh, is the how my girlfriend can go and just be go to you know 7-Eleven or go into town and things like that and you know even though people are staring at us there's still this part of her that's like I'm not better than any of these people in fact she sees herself with the people and I think 
to be able to have that level of connection is really important for someone like her who is born in the royal family. And then to be able to bring that to the people in a way, because look, the greatest thing in life we can do is truly understand people. Even if we don't understand them, to take the willingness to understand them allows us to be able to relate to where they're at in their in their evolution. And that way we can figure out how we can best support them, how we can nurture them, how we can love them, and how we can create a greater foundation to help them to be able to launch themselves or to propel themselves into greater um, places within their life and to learning and experiencing the limitless possibility that's available to them as them. And so because she had this experience, I believe a lot of that was there to govern that for her in this lifetime. And also the fact that she was a tomboy and she didn't like wearing dresses. And I think someone who breaks the rules, especially for her and being in the royal family, is really important because breaking rules and not being what you're told to be, like wearing dresses and you know being completely perfect and then her climbing trees and wanting to do things that the boys were doing showed a side of her that was adventurous. And with adventure comes experience and with experience comes wisdom. And I think that there is a great remarkable exchange when that happens that we so all need as human beings, no matter what position or status we are in life. You know, and so a, a lot of that is, oh, you know, allowing her to do the things that she's doing today, which I really um, appreciated her speaking about, you know, her passions and her love for what she loves to do in this world. And, and the messages that she brought through was so poignant and so positioned for the evolution of all of us on this global experience because she was really sharing from the heart. And, I, and that's one of the things I love about her. But also, I love how she talked about her being a highly sensitive person and an empath and that, you know, and people around her and the way she experienced them. And, you know, and so some people were afraid of that and it was very difficult for her to define, you know, who was there for her in that, um, in that aspect because of not knowing like, hey, are these people friends with me because... They're friends with me because they want to be friends with me and just me who just wants to be the girl who wants to have fun and climb a tree and ride a horse. Or are these people friends with me because they know my mom and dad is the king and queen? And I think that, you know, there comes a point of discernment that can only be seen when you're coming into a place of yourself. When you get to a place of really understanding yourself and what's real, then you really get to understand the level of heart and the level of connection that someone should show up with. Um, who doesn't have an agenda just to be friends with you because you're, you know, the king and queen's daughter and you're the princess of Norway, but you are literally a human being who just wants to enjoy life and share conversation. So with that being said, you know, her finding her connection to the horses was a place for her to be totally free and to meet with her own heart and the heart of the horse. And, you know, in shamanism, we say horses... Um, are the great clarifiers of the spirit because horses can really show you who you are and everything you're you know, projecting out, they reflect back to you. And horses also run high frequency. So that's why they're really great you know, with working with kids with autism and anyone who has any kind of emotional or mental disturbances because they keep bringing back harmony back to you. So it just, every time your emotions are being projected out, the horse then registers that and sends it back to you with the correction. And I think, you know, her relationship with horses and her love for them, and then her going into becoming a show jumper for many years. And then the way that her relationship was built with the horses 
was so beautiful and so profound that it was this deep sensitivity and this strong bond that she felt that it was literally building the fine tuning that she has to animals to this day and the longing of her true heart and her heart communication to the people herself and the animals and nature and you know so a lot of those experiences were leading her to becoming who she is today and i love that she spoke about that but i also love how she says that we need to get out of these very superficial conversations and i i i really believe that because you know when i sit down on tables and and i sit down at people's dinners and lunches and you know brunches and all these different things that i get invited to i'm always fascinated that people will talk about very superficial things in different social groups and the ones that i really feel so completely like every part of my being is saying yes is when people actually go beyond the superficial layer and into the layer of we're humans we're on earth we know it's not the greatest place of things that are happening on earth let's talk about ways we can help support each other let's talk about some of the issues in the world let's talk about how we can contribute with our resource let's talk about our deep emotions so we can clear things that maybe you have a different perception on based on what i'm perceiving in my own life and through sharing and communicating and intermingling we're able to create a great healing that takes place and i i believe very strongly in what she's saying when it comes to that and so what i find um what is beautiful is how she says you know what inspires and what is preventing you from being your best best self right what are your fears what does it mean to be real in life like those are the conversations we need to be having is what does inspire you what are your fears that come up for you where you don't feel you're going to be loved unconditionally or you don't feel that you're going to succeed what are these fears and if i or her or anyone around you right instead of having superficial conversations you having conversations with people who you call your friends and your family are actually engaging these conversations of inspiration and your fears and helping you to get into a space of living your best life how much better can you see the vision of the world becoming by us taking a different narrative in our conversations in our interactions and in the way that we connect with each other when we're able to truly see behind people's mask of what they're projecting out for us to accept and see and relate to versus what's behind it kind of reminds me of the story of of Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz when she finally went behind the curtain and saw what was actually running Oz was this man who was just tinkering with all his devices and people were reacting to the scary Oz with fire but again they weren't really seeing who Oz was and if he had showed up as he was without all of that and just been a man who was just there giving them wisdom and knowledge and information instead of doing it through this mechanical device think of how much more Oz could have been much more authentic and loving and nurturing and accepting instead of glorifying themselves in their emerald green clothes and dancing around and, and prancing around and you know and operating in that way well i mean it's the same thing in life the more we're willing to remove the mask and really allow ourselves to be seen from what's underneath the mask that's when we literally get to be able to see the stuff that's really amazing about life the the stuff that's really enriching and 
and soul lifting and ability to give you a different perception of life because that's when people can come in with their love and wisdom and really nurture and support you. They can't support the mask because it's not you, but they can support what's under the mask, which is you. And that makes for a greater relationship and also for an betterment for not just yourself individually, however, collectively. And so, you know, her going through this experience and, you know, wanting to step in more into the energy work and the energy readings, but at the same time, you know, having to hide it and to reflect it away from the people and the, everyone's judgments of her going down that path of spirituality. It wasn't easy for a person of royalty to go down that spiritual path, you know, and a lot of the, her love and passion with the horses allowed her to connect into that. And, you know, and I also love that she explained to everyone how horses are flight animals because there's, there's two different types you know, of animals. You have the fight or you have the flight. And the fight animals are the ones who will attack back and you know, um, defend and, you know, their, their food or their, their place of, of rest and you know, their, their boundaries and everything, their territory. Whereas a flight animal is operating in this complete freedom, eating nature. Right, eating grass. Most flight animals are herbivores. Um, not all of them, but horses are, and they are very majestic beings because they free. They they remind us to be free. Right, and having a having a relationship with a flight animal is very different than having a relationship with a predatorial animal, and that's something a lot of people don't realize. See, a predatorial animal operates on the need to hunt. And the need to be in this idea that if they don't hunt, they're not going to survive. So they can become aggressive and they can even become fearful through that aggression. So a lot of times animals who are predatorial can actually reach out in a, in a way that's aggressive, not because they're aggressive in nature, it's because they're afraid of not surviving and not having their resources that they need. So they have a predatorial, they hunt, they go into this way and if something attacks them, they attack back. Whereas a horse, on the other hand, lives off of the earth. And in enjoys the freedom. And, and, and that energy creates a different frequency on the planet and creates a different frequency when you as a human being who has been taught to hunt and gather, it really changes the, the mechanism of your mentality and the way in which your senses and the way that your, your, your nervous system, you're allowing it to be more open to those levels of freedom, but also open to energy and conversation in a different way than someone who's much more about, I have to survive and the hunt and gathering. It really opens up the parasympathetic um, nervous system to get more into a relaxing meditative space that allows you to kind of sink in and see things that you never thought you could see because you're too busy running around trying to do so much. And so when you're with horses and what was really good for Princess Martha Louise is that by her being in, in the royal family and dealing with all the bombardment of press and family and this and rules and regulations and having to cut ribbons and wave here and have people take pictures of her here and the press is always in her face, to be able to be with such a majestic divine being that is there to show her the frequencies and energies of what it means to let go of that 
hunt and gatherer way of thinking and just step into a deeper connection with life. And that's why horses are such a, a wonderful gift from God uh, to all of us. And I think that having her being able to experience that and, and be able to go into that trusting bond and then reflect that back into herself is what allows leadership to be born and assures her that no matter what, you're always going to be in a comfortable place when you're out of that hunt and gatherer space and you get into a space of observation, experiencing, and feeling. And through that feeling space, you're able to witness all of the doorways and pathways that you can take that lead you to greater things. For instance, like her finding her love, which is me, right? And so, and, and also the way she's connecting with life in general. So, you know, I thought that was a beautiful conversation to go into, but I also think it's important um, now that you have that information to really give you a greater perspective of the beauty and majestic qualities of the horse. So, you know, you know, we we're talking about, you know, Martha being born in her family and, you know, what was the situation of her being born since she was the firstborn in her family, which is she was, you know, the firstborn is supposed to always be the one who takes the throne and becomes the one who ascends into the position of, of the power, be it if it's a boy becomes king and if it's a girl becomes queen. And we're talking about um, what she was talking and sharing with us about how at the time when she was born, only men are supposed to rule and that the situation was set up that her brother was already in that position because they didn't have the constitutional law set up for her to be in that seat and it was uh, going to the boy. So it skipped over her and went to her brother. And, you know, we were talking into it because I wanted to dig a little deep and see if her powers of being a woman empowerment leader um, had come from feeling that, that sense of skip over. But what we found out in the conversation is that her ability to be a woman's empowerment leader came from her mother. And it came from her mom's driving force of women empowerment by the way she entered into the palace when there were only military men dominating the palace. And her becoming in as that first lady and watching through her childhood the challenges that her mother faced and also the beauty that her mother brought into the royal palace and into the whole country of Norway because, because Queen Sonia took an initiative to find where she could fit in and then stayed in that place and made it beautiful and then begin to expand that beauty as she was given more space. So being able to do that and step into that level of connection you know, was really strong for a little girl like Princess Martha Louise to see. Martha and I write poems to each other. We have a little book and I write poems to her and then she gets the book and takes it home and then she'll write a poem and send it back to me. And then I write a poem and send it back to her. And it's been something that we've been doing since we met. And that is so beautiful. And watching how her mom cultivated her own respect as a woman in the royal family and in position with her father, the king, and be able to create what we call a suitable balance for her father and her to exist in, where even to this day, she has a big office just as Martha's dad has, and creating this total equality, which is the same as her brother, 
Crown Prince Harkon has and Crown Princess Mete has with each other. And I love being around them because you can see that cooperation between the masculine and feminine and how beautiful it is and how 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 that energy of her mom created that energy to to develop within um crown prince harkon so that he's able to choose a woman who can come in in the exact same way which is really powerful and so for marta to grow up and see that she didn't really feel like oh well, it's not fair that I didn't get to become queen. And I'm glad she didn't because we would have never met. So the cool thing about that is that she got to experience watching women empowerment through her mother and how the palace has transformed and her mom working in union with her father. And that gave her the strong will that her mom had to create change. She was able to create the same change. And so... It's important to recognize that what women bring to the table is very important for creating balance. And if we push women out of society and out of the workplaces and out of every aspect of life, we're not creating balance on our planet. So beautifully seen on how Queen Sonia created balance for the whole country and in the palace and in her family that is beautifully indicated in her son and beautifully indicated in her daughter and how that energy connects. And so when we see that, you 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 begin to understand the importance of that. And and what's really wonderful about that is that Martha has a great appreciation for Crown Prince Harkon and for Crown Princess uh, Mete for being able to step into that position of becoming the king and queen of Norway after her father um, leaves that position because he's suited for that. And he understands that because he has two beautiful parents and she does too. And also the fact that Princess Ingrid will take over after that. So there will be a a female in the royal house. So this is what we look at when we think of evolution, when we think about how things are progressing, right? And so when we understand that, we understand that her work for women and the understanding of male perspective versus the idea how women have been excluding men like the same way that men excluded women is not necessary for us because women and men are created, they're not equal. They're different, as Martha says. However, women have to to lean in and realize that they are the force to be reckoned with, but so are men and that we need each other. And so men speak, And we have to understand that women also speak and we have to understand to let go of any insecurities we have of hearing the truths that come from both parts. So leadership cannot really come until we start acknowledging this level of union in all levels of life. And so that we can see and start acknowledging that men and women are different. But in order for us to truly be able to step into a greater paradigm instead of the old paradigm, which is suppressing women and exalting men, we have to make space, men, for women to show up with their wisdom, their knowledge, and what they can bring to flourish, just like Queen Sonia did in bringing it into the palace and then bringing it into all of Norway. All of the love of the people of Norway love King Harold and Queen Sonia because they 
operate in unison with one another. This unison that they operate, this union actually supports the people. And that's what we have to look at in ourselves and how we interact in life, right? And so when we understand that level of clarity, we understand that a lot of Princess Marta Louise's upbringing was about being able to see that that union, that synergy between both of her parents and be able to live that in herself, which allowed her to be you know, standing where she is today in women's empowerment and being able to be with someone like me so she can say, hey, you know what, babe? I'm not okay with that. And I'm going to check you on that. And you know what? I don't agree with what you're saying right there. And, and not being, because I am a strong personality and I'm sure you all know that in the tribe. And, you know, I'm a force as well. But to have a force who's with me and have two forces, we become a power couple because I am holding my space and she is holding her space. And I am willing to listen to her wisdom and her power because she stands in her power of independence and truth and wisdom that only makes it more beautiful for me to be able to just shut my mouth, not all the time, but most of the time. And even if I'm not shutting my mouth, I eventually do because I know that what she's saying is so pertinent to what needs to happen in our life and what can transpire. And she's always giving me ideas of ways to think about things from the way that I think about things. And I, my maturity is going higher and higher because of having such a powerful woman as that. So men, we have to understand that where you think you are today can be even better if you just listen to the women around you. And they really can help um, lift you to greater heights within yourself through compassion and love and understanding and kindness and generosity in bigger ways and in larger ways. And so I think that's really important. And what I love about what Princess uh, Marta Louise said is that uh, when we want to understand true success, it's not on what we own or what we, what we have in the bank account or you know how we see ourselves on Instagram or in that successful circle of our friends and you know, what invite engagements we get to with certain types of successful influencers and people. It's about how many people we help is the true measure of success. Being rich is about sharing what you have with each other and with people. It's not about hoarding it and sitting on it and then sitting back in your house and drinking you know, uh, whatever it is that you drink and sitting back and looking at the world and feeling, yay, I made it when there's all these other people who are starving and going through difficulty. What she's saying is that when we become wealthy, it is to be able to utilize that wealth, right? And move that wealth into the hands of people so they can become wealthy. And then it just keeps growing and multiplying and multiplying. And that of course is definitely a woman's perspective because women are always looking outside to see how they can support community because they know that if the community is strong and the people in the community are strong, then it only makes it better for them because then it means everybody's able to have what they need and the sustenance and the abundance and the prosperity and the health and all of it just keeps flourishing and flourishing and flourishing. And I think it's important for us to think in that way, very much so. And also what I love is that people's reaction you know, like she talked about for her choice in her boyfriend, which which is me, okay? I'm her boyfriend. And yes, people do react to the color of my skin 
and that she can't be with the color of my skin, not this type of color, not this person, not with the royal family, not with her. And people get irritated because she's not supposed to be with someone who's soul sexual because, oh my goodness, God forbid, he's soul sexual and we don't know where to place him and we don't know what that means because we don't understand it. So that's not okay. And she also talked about how, you know, that I'm not right, I'm not from the right society and whatever that's supposed to mean because I don't even know what society is these days. To me, it's a hodgepodge of different people with different opinions and different beliefs. And she also talked about you can't be with someone as spiritual who thinks in the way they do because like, like, they, like she said, no one understands what's coming out of my mouth. Well, again, no one understood what was coming out of Albert Einstein's mouth or Benjamin Franklin or the Wright brothers or Helen Keller or Oprah Winfrey that for that matter. But guess what? They are the change makers, the taste makers and the edge makers of evolution. They are the ones who are creating new innovation. I remember when Dr. Martin Luther King was having a conversation about how people didn't even believe in his dream because they thought it was too big, too large and impossible. Well, guess what? It wasn't. So the key, what she's saying is, is that no matter how people choose to perceive what's right for her, no one can dictate or tell her what's right for her because of their fears and that she knows what's right for her. And you know what? I'm glad she does. And I'm glad she chose me because I honestly believe I'm the right thing for her and she's the right thing for me. And what she's talking about is literally getting rid of these, these ideas that you know people are holding on to. Because look, a lot of people are not willing to realize that those are their triggers. And instead of facing their triggers and looking at where it comes from, they rather project it onto us in our relationship. Instead of going inward and realizing that their anger and that the anger that the people hold is nothing to do with us because they don't know us. They're only reading what they're getting from the press, which isn't really giving any information about us at all because the press doesn't even know us. So again, they don't sit down with us and say, hey, you know what? We really want to get to know you. We're going to let go of all of our judgments, all our preconceived ideas. And we want to know who Shaman Durek is and Princess Martha Louise is and what your relationship represents and what it really means, not just oh, we're just going to make up stories based on things that we gather from here and there. And we're going to draw a picture of you both looking like one, Shaman Durek's the quack. It's crazy. And he says crazy things and probably walks around holding crystals and singing Kumbaya, which obviously I don't. And I don't bang drums outside as well. And I don't do a lot of things that the press says I do that they want to paint a picture like I'm some kind of hippie that wears cloth and walks around banging drums and citing crazy things out of my mouth. In fact, I'm a really well-educated person and I've gone to school. I have a degree in health education. I've spent a lot of my time working with a lot of holistic doctors when I was young, traveling the world. I speak other languages and I come from a very um, prominent family that is in the arts, such as my aunt, the world's greatest opera singer, my father, who was a general contractor, my other uncle who raced cars and was really good at building and buying houses and selling them and opening up places for people to be able to entertain. My other aunt, who's very diverse in the Seventh-day Adventist um, religion, and so many of my family members, not to mention my grandfather and my grandmother, who were super educated and spent their whole days reading books on literature and theology and arts and language and you name it. And most of the people in my family, that's how we were raised. We were raised to be a certain way. But again, people don't know these things because they don't know us and they don't know our relationship. And so what she was saying is, that all these preconceived ideas and that people are gathering from the press and from the news and from television that they talk about her and I, they don't know us. And so they're getting angry at information that's not even factual or valid. And 
If you want to get to know us, you don't get to know us by reading what's in a newspaper. Taking it from my beautiful friend, Gwyneth, who said to me that you don't focus on what's written about you because they don't know you. You know you, I know you, you know me, and let's focus on what we came here to do for the planet. And that's it. So at the end of the day, we want to be people who are not just constantly reacting to what we see and what we hear unless we get it from the person and talk to them directly. I think that's the best way to go. And I love that she talked about that because the thing is, is that so many people say, you know, how can she be with someone like me? And I get stuff from, you know, from the melanated community. How can I be with the white devil? You know, again, everyone has an opinion. But the question is, is the opinion based in love or is it based in fear and projection of things that aren't being worked out within them individually? So we need to be more open, like she says, and we need to start loving each other. And we need to start being human beings that look beyond the superficial walls. And we need to really start being kind to each other and, and, and generous and, and, and also accepting, which is really important if we're going to evolve in the way that Princess Marta and I believe we can evolve. So because people are so stuck on color and sex and, you know, and all of these levels of things, they don't understand that we are creating a new consciousness on planet Earth. And in order for that to happen, because you see, it takes a very strong person to date someone like this amazing woman, okay? Not just because of the press, but again, you remember, she was born in the royal family and she is in that position. And also, in order to be able to handle everything that comes along, you got to be a strong person. And you got to be a person who's able to handle all of the things that are coming at you. But at the same time, being able to recognize, you know, to stay in that place of love, even when the arrows are being thrown at you. And for me, most people don't even realize that I spend my life focusing on ways that doctors and scientists and people who think outside of the box are seen and presented in a different way on earth than just a normal celebrity who sings songs to you or makes you laugh at a movie theater. We got to start supporting the scientists, the doctors, the artists, the people who are bringing new ways of intelligence and information for us to adapt and evolve on planet earth, right? And not saying that the person who's singing or the person who's acting on stage isn't as valuable. But what I'm saying is, We've been kind of tilting in one area and we need to kind of tilt into another area. We need to start looking at the people who are the writers, the journalists, the people who are going in and doing all of the internal work and grunt work, which means love, right? To be able to help us to continue to thrive. Great. We are on a planet that likes to be enthused by entertainment. I get it. And that's why entertainment and sports people and boxers and actors and models and everyone is getting the high amount of money on the planet. But we really need to start moving some of that over to the scientists, the explorers, the people who are figuring out what's going on with the reefs that are decaying at the bottom of the sea, what's happening with our food source, what's happening with children and agriculture, and what's happening with our economic status, what's happening with our environmental status, and what's happening within our emotional intelligence and the way we're interacting with each other through technology 
and the way that we're building social community and social grouping, we really have to start focusing on the artists, the people who are giving us portals and gateways to look at life in different ways, the poets, uh, the writers, the people who are doing all this things that we don't really put our attention on as cool or amazing like we do and really start making that a conversation that we have around the dinner table. And so, you know, I think it's important. So what I love about Amazing Girlfriend, and I'll probably say that like a thousand times, and I'll probably be smiling and laughing as I'm saying it, but she does call me out. And I'm glad she does. And sometimes it sucks. And I'll be honest, like there are times where I'm like, you know, but at the end of the day, I know that God put her in my life to be the eyes and the ears where I am not. And, you know, so for me, it's really about stopping, getting out of that space of frustration and like, right, you can't tell us men anything and, and come into a humble place and let her call me out because she's not calling me out. And this is something I think is important for us men to realize. She's not calling, women don't call us out to hurt us. They call us out to lift us, to shift us, to help us become more humble, more aware, and more successful. So as much as uncomfortable as may be, I welcome it. And I welcome it with love. So yeah, you know, she shuts me up and it's wonderful because the loving challenge that comes from me is recognizing how much I need to be called out by the woman who loves me. And also love the challenge. Respect women for them calling you out. Love what they're bringing to you. Even if it's uncomfortable, you're going to thank them later. You know, that old saying that says that uh, there's behind every strong man or amazing man, there's a powerful woman. Well, it's not behind, but it's side by side. It's next to every man, there is a woman, could be a mom, could be a sister, could be a friend, could be a lover, wife, or a girlfriend, or whomever. That is the person we need to look side by side and see and go, I got you. I was just about to walk into a pit and you stopped me and thank you. Instead of us being so aggressively upset by it because we think we know everything. Well, if we did know everything, you know, then why isn't it just us on this planet alone? For us to be on the planet with so many is because God, I pretty much would say, knew that we all needed each other. And if that's the case, then let's honor that. Yeah? So I think that When we recognize that a lot of times people will have this vision of of our relationship as we are these woohoo type, like, you know, people who are like drumming and like, I mean, that's cool. We we can drum and like it's but we do it with intention. And it's not like we're walking around in this kind of like laxadaisal, floaty kind of woohoo fairy tale, you know, way. Princess Marta and I are humanitarians and One of the things that I fell in love with her about was her humanitarian ways. It was the way that she was so kind to people and loving towards people and how open she is. And that reflected who I am and how I look at life. 
And having a woman like that, to me, is strong. And not only that, but I love how she takes her spirituality and we're not sitting there going, oh yeah, past lives, oh my God, crystals, oh my God, yeah, free love, free hugs, and really letting the world just kind of be with not really taking responsibility to be a part of it. What I love about her and what, what, what connects with me is her spiritual side is practical and it's not woohoo. I can't handle the woohoo. I like practical. So a lot of people who know I'm usually on TV shows like Good Morning America, The Doctors, uh, This Morning in London, and many other shows that I'm, I'm, that I'm going to be on and the shows that will continue to be mainstream to support the mainstream understanding that shamanism is not to be put in a box and kicked on the side as woohoo or crazy. Shamanism is about teaching us to have a new relationship with life and with new consciousness and new innovation and understanding technology, understanding family, understanding emotional intelligence, understanding science, understanding how we're interacting as human beings and being able to make it simplified so that we're not all caught up in all the nonsense and really figure out what is the most easiest and efficient way for us to adapt as human beings, be able to thrive and have longevity on this planet and to live a good life. And that's what shamanism is about. And so at the end of the day, having someone whose spiritual side is practical like mine just makes me wake up with a smile on my face and say yes. Because if I was with a woman who was just riding and rocking around, ringing bells and burning sage and talking about past lives and, oh, there was a ghost in the house and all this kind of stuff, but not really looking at why that's important to how we adapt in our lives today, it probably wouldn't be a relationship at all because I wouldn't be able to stay in it because I wouldn't understand how to connect with that and ground into that. So a lot of the things that the press says about us, they don't know us. And God only knows us. And God, who Martha and I love, and yes, we know the Bible upside down and backwards, God knows the manner of our beings. And no one can tell us otherwise. And no one can tell us that we don't love God and that we don't love Jesus and that we don't love the divine and the source and that we don't love Allah or any of the things that people want to interpret as God. We know God by the way the wind blows on the leaves. We don't need to sit there and, and give and devote our lives to a book. We appreciate the teachings and the messages in the book. And we love the stories and, you know, we love um, all the different parables and we, you know, all the different stories that are like Deuteronomy and the book of Acts and all these different things. We know it. We sit in bed sometimes and talk about it, you know, and, but the thing is what we won't accept and what we'll never accept as a couple is that we'll never accept the idea that you should be afraid of God and that you should constantly be in a space where you limit your life from its most grandest, pleasurable expression of freedom. And we know God by watching the people, seeing the sun, spending time with the children, looking at the animals in nature and being with each other. I can look into my woman's eyes and I see God looking back at me. I look at the trees in nature and she sees God. When she's with the horse, she knows God is real. We don't need people to tell us who we are spiritually and we don't need people to tell us what they think about our relationship. The only people who would ever know about your relationship is you and the person you're in the relationship with. And the only person who would know about our relationship is me and my beloved. So again, we know that I, I'm really glad she spoke on those things. I'm glad she brought those finer points up. And I'm glad that she shared about it because it's really, really important. And, you know, 
Uh, she is such an amazing woman for everything that she's gone through, from writing books to speaking to show jumping horses to speaking on on and winning awards for humanitarian and everything. And that's why I felt so inclined and felt so charged and impassioned to share her with the tribe, to give you an insight into our lives and into her in ways that other people have not been able to get. Because I think it's important. And you know, one of the things that she talked about, and I know it was a really, it was, it was for me a really, um, I would say a really intense experience um, for me was losing Ari Ben. And I don't want to get super soppy and emotional and cry about it, but it was a very challenging time because when I met that man and I had dreamed about him for months and months and months. And every time I would see her, I was like, you know, I, I keep dreaming about this guy and he dresses really nice and wears bracelets and this, and, you know, and he's, I, I, he's connected to you and all this stuff. And, you know, I, and, and I just kept telling her and she's like, that's so funny. Cause he dreams about you as well. And when we met and I walked in the door and he walked right up to me face to face, nose to nose, eyes in piercing into each other. And he put his arms around me and he goes, there you are. I knew you were coming. I've been dreaming about you. And I had tears in my eyes and I looked at him. I said, it's good to see you, brother. Been a long time. Sometimes, you know, you just know someone that you've known for a very long time, but you're meeting them for the first time. And uh, I looked in his eyes and we just stood there and stared at each other. Maybe five or six minutes. Then we sat down on the couch and we talked like two, two school pals that haven't seen each other in a very long time. It was hilarious because even Marta came in and was watching us and was like, I'm just going to let you guys have your time together. And she'd come in and come out. And then finally she came in and sat down and we had the most beautiful conversation. And, you know, we talked about life. We talked about everything. And, you know, he even said to me, you know, what it was like for him in the press and how the press is intense and how he admired something he saw and how I handled the press. And he was telling me about a time where he handled the press and how he threw this, this glove down because he had enough. And he was like, and we were laughing about it. And he put his hand on my arm and I put my hand on his hand and I felt the surge of energy. And I looked at him and I said, you know, one day we're thinking about going to Los Angeles and uh, you would be great in Los Angeles. I want us all to be together. And he goes, and I do too. And you know, and we had this great conversation. And that man is something special. He's an amazing artist, a writer. Just his spirit. We talked about everything. And, and it was so funny because we didn't want to leave each other. <laughs> and, and Martha had things that she wanted to do, things that she had to do. And I was like, no. And he's like, no, just a little bit longer. Can we just stay a little bit longer? And we just kept talking about everything. And I love Ari, you know, he's a genius. And even though people didn't see it, you know, and they didn't understand the, the geniusness of this amazing kind-hearted man and losing him and grounding myself in, because I can handle crises very well. I've dealt with them. I know how to handle them. 
I think I was just born for crisis. And I think a lot of it's just because I've lived in other countries that have had crises and I knew how to handle wars and bombs and things and people and, you know, shrapnel and all this kind of stuff happening. So when that happened, it broke my heart. And it broke my heart, not just because of Marta and the girls, but it broke my heart because I was thinking about his family the whole entire time. And I was thinking about his mom and how my mom would feel if something happened to me. And I was thinking about how, you know, the idea of you're not supposed to, you're not, you're not, you're, your kids aren't supposed to die before your parents, you know? And I always had that thought. I'm very old school. And I was thinking about what his mom and his family was thinking and losing this beautiful man because I've only had that one time with him and it was so beautiful and so transforming that it reached into the very core of my being. And they've had so many more memories and so much life with him and to have that taken. That's what made me go to the bathroom and cry when I was there holding Martha and the kids and being there for the family in the best way I knew how. And the reason why I never said anything on Instagram because it's not my place to say anything. It was just wanting to hold space for everybody and hold space for Norway and all the people mourning and all the people putting the candles. I went and saw all of it and got to witness the love that was being shown to Ari that him and I spoke about because he always felt like, you know, people made him to be a clown. And sometimes, you know, they say in, in the royal court, the jester is the one who's the most important because they're the ones who bring life and, and laughter and joy to the king, to the queen, and to the royal court. So if they thought he was a clown, then he did a great thing, right? Because he brought joy into their lives and he brought surprise and, you know, and he would sing songs on stage to the people in Norway and he would do all these beautiful things and we would talk about all this amazingness that he is and to lose him was very painful. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't forget about him and see him and his children and see the love in Marta's eyes when she talks about him. And he's always in our hearts and he's in our home and he will always be a part of our lives and the life of the children. And so that was really unfortunate. And it was really hard. It was a very hard time. And I'm glad that Martha and I got a chance to talk about a little bit of it. And I hold back a lot of my emotions because I didn't want to fall apart, you know, thinking of that amazing man and how much I, you know, thought how excited I was to be able to have him in my life after all those dreams and find each other. And then how excited I was to build a beautiful relationship with him and, you know, and meet his girlfriend and, and, and all of us be a beautiful family together and losing him. I still haven't completely got over the emotions and the sadness of it all. And it still hits me from time to time when I see it in the family and the kids and, and Marta. And when I look at his picture with him holding his child and looking in his eyes at this beautiful soul, this playful soul, it was just so free. So... I think it's important what I've learned from that experience and what I see is something important that we should all remember is that we have to appreciate every person as if it's our last time with them. We can't let moments slip by. We have to appreciate people now 
because we don't know how long they're not going to be with us. And, you know, and for Ari's mom and his family, I am sorry for your loss. And my heart will always be in my prayers day and night when I pray on my hands and knees. I'm praying for you. I want you always to remember that. And I think it's important for us to remember those people because we never know what change, what things, what changes will happen in the world. So we have to live with our hearts now, you know, and it's like, that's the point we have to get to. So I love the conversation we had. There was so much more I can expound on and so much more I can go into depth about how we talked about relationships and we talked about, you know, uh, how relationships to me is like Argentine tango when I used to dance at Soy Luna as a, as a salsa and merengue and ballroom dancer and how what I learned from dancing in all those years with my friend Jacqueline, who was the person who would hire me at Soy Luna, was how to make space for other people's steps so that the dance comes out right. And that's what relationship's about. It's about being able to open up that space for them to take a step so then you can take a step and it becomes this beautiful dance and being able to take responsibility for your triggers so they can take responsibility for theirs. So there's no need for you to have so much conflict in your relationship. You want to spend more time loving each other and amplifying that love into the world. And that's with people and that's with friends and that's with family and that's with your animals and that's with nature and that's with God. And that's really what it's about. So we always need to learn from each other. And you remember, you know, like I talked about, um, you know, Einstein and Einstein said, you know, that we can't fix problems with problems. We, we have to change things in our mind and our consciousness and all of the things that have happened in my life with Marta have been beautiful with the kids, with her. I'm grateful for Milana Snow, my friend who kept hounding my phone when I wasn't ready to go into another relationship because I just came out of a relationship with this girl that I was with, this amazing Japanese girl. And I just wasn't ready because I couldn't handle even being in that relationship and giving her everything that I could. And before that, of course... I was with this guy and um, that didn't go too great. Um, but a lot of it is not their fault. It was my fault because I wasn't ready to step into a place of being present with them in the way that I could. And I got to do that now with Marta. And I got to share that and experience this transparency of love that we have with each other. We don't hide anything from each other. And we're fully present with each other. And that's what it's about, you know? And the reason why I took her to Turkey, because everyone's like, you know, you took her to Turkey because Turkey's my heart. And if anyone knows me, everyone knows I love Turkey. I love to travel, but I love Turkey. That's my heart. It captured me. And of course, Italy too, you know, but Turkey as well. And all the places that I go on trips with Marta is places that touch my heart because I want her to see my heart. And you see my heart, not by me telling you about my heart, but by showing you what inspires my heart. So show people your heart, be open, be connected to life, to each other, to family, to friends, you know, and, uh, and be able to experience all of these beautiful wonders that life has to offer. You know, my mom told me that I was going to meet Marta when I was 15 years old and my dear friend Elephant and her father, who is one of my dearest friends, also to uh, told me 
that I said it to them at one point when I was traveling to Sweden and they were making me soup and I was falling asleep and having jet lag that I, they asked me, hey, what's going on with your relationships? And I'm like, I'm waiting for my princess to come. Wherever that came from, I had no recollection of it. And when I was on this show, Scovlon, they came backstage and was like, yeah, remember you told us you were going to meet her and here she is. And I said, oh, I have no idea what, I had no idea that that was even like something I even said or that that even came out of my mouth. It, it just like, it's funny how life, it's funny how life is. It's funny how in life we, we think we know things that we don't. And we realize that a lot of the things that we think we know or a lot of the things that we thought we know, we don't know. And it gives us an ability to move into a different way, you know, in a different way of being in a different way that we operate and how we move through things. And I find that if we open ourselves up to not knowing and knowing but not knowing, we become more open to the vast information that's available to us that can really connect us to beautiful adventures and experiences. And I'm glad that my friend, uh, Selena, told me when I told her, yeah, there's this girl trying to set me up with this woman. And, you know, I just came out of this relationship with my Japanese girlfriend and like I didn't even I couldn't even show up for her and commit to her in the way she wanted to how am I going to commit to and she's like why are you putting all this intensity on it she's like just meet her just take a leap of faith so that's what I want to say to everyone and that's what I want to leave you with take a leap of faith live a little take a moment where you can go on an adventure with life you know because love and energy and people and all these things, it happens now when you allow it to. And, you know, we don't know how long we have on this earth. And I remember that every day when I think about Ari Ben, and he taught me that, you know? So we got to appreciate the moment now. It's like Janis Joplin says, we got to take this moment now and cherish this moment now because before you know it, man, it's gone. So I love each and every one of you. And I want you to live your best life. Take a leap of faith. Bye. I've created the Healing Temple because people all over the world want and need healing, but don't have the access to those healers or can't afford them. One of the biggest high-ticket items in the world today is remote healing. But some sessions cost hundreds to even thousands of dollars. And for only $10, the Healing Temple is a collective space for people to come together every Friday for 30 minutes. Participants are opening a wellspring of abilities, alleviating stress and brain fog, where the mind becomes more optimized and performance-based, and where you learn to utilize energy to up-level your consciousness. The Healing Temple also helps to break down walls where you begin operating in awareness of wellness, feeling ambitious and inspired like things are really changing in your life. Inside the Healing Temple, you're also stepping into a world where you might experience phenomenons that you thought wasn't possible. Something as small as a chill or the hair standing on the back of your neck becomes like an opening door. Some members have even said they've experienced increased psychic abilities and that these sensations have intensified with following sessions. I've trained my powers to impact change, and I've learned how to get results. 
who doesn't want to feel good? The Healing Temple is not only beneficial to you, but also to those around you. Because when you're feeling good, you shine that positive energy onto others, your partner, your children, coworkers, even your dog or your cat. Everyone around you begins to feel better because you are feeling better. It's a rippling effect that's much needed on this planet. We need the Healing Temple more than ever right now because of all that's happening in the world, the social political structures, calamities, chaos, and feelings of hopelessness and despair. The social climate is on high and this pressure cooker is taking a negative toll on how many of us feel. The Healing Temple offers comfort on a global level because when more people are feeling good, the more kindness, generosity, and realness is generated. For only $10, I invite you to become part of the community that seeks to do good, to feel good, and to make this world a better place. Go to shamandurek.com and click the Healing Temple to join our wellspring of healing, restoration, and elevated consciousness. See you in the temple. Thank you so much for tuning in to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Tribe, I love you all so much. And if you want to stay connected, be sure to check me out on IG at Shaman Durek. And if you have any questions whatsoever, please visit shamandurek.com or contact info at shamandurek.com to learn more. And remember, tribe, no matter what, stay lit. <laughs>